Hello, and welcome to Under the Kotatsu. I'm your host, Austin, joined, as always, by Danielle. Hey, nerds. And Danny. Hello. Uh, we are back to finish our discussion about the TV series portion of Eden of the East. Um, but before we do that, we'll go around and see uh, what everyone's all drinking. Uh, Danny, start with you. I was just saying off mic, I had a, a kind of wickedly long hike the other day, and my body's like, Ugh. So uh, right now I'm just drinking some water, and I also have a Dr. Pepper just for like the sugar, because I also just woke up from a nap, so I got to get my brain back going. Um, I was going to have coffee or a beer, but I was like, I need a, an upper, like just like pure sugar right now, honestly. You got to lubricate your muscles and lubricate your brain. Mind, body, um, and spirit all lubed up. Those are the those are just several of the 23 flavors of <laughs> pepper. Uh, Danielle, what are you drinking? I am drinking some hot black tea. Ooh. I, Good. You know, it, didn't really feel like coffee today. <laughs> is it, so it's just like black tea, it's not like chai or, or, or bowl or No, anything it's like just a plain black tea. It's pretty nice. good though. Hell yeah. And Love of course, I use loose leaf tea and not like looked in tea yeah. bags. <laughs> Hell yeah! Is Earl Grey and like like breakfast tea? Those are all blacks, right? Yes. Yeah, they're okay. they're like blends, though, right? Like there's other right. stuff in there. Okay. Uh, yeah, like Earl Grey is black tea with bergamot oil. Oh, did not know that. S- sounds too bougie. Uh, <laughs> sounds too very British. So, which is why I'm drinking once again black coffee with nothing in it. As mm. uh, I was gonna say, as God intended, but you know, drink your coffee however you want. It, it is the Lord's day. It is. That's I'm doing this all good practicing Christians do <laughs> and drinking my cup of coffee. That's this is both my body and blood of Christ. My cup of coffee. <laughs> anyway, um so yeah, so we're back to to finish our discussion on Eden of the East, which is episodes six through eleven, and then next time we will start on the first of the two movies. Um anyone have anything to say before we just get into it? Well, I feel like we have a lot to say, but it'll come out in the episodes. So I, I had a question, and this might be something that we can only answer once we've watched the first movie. Um, and I don't want to get too into the specifics, because I because I think we're going to talk about it more. Um, Danielle obviously is not loving this so far, um, and apparently the movies are even more contentious, you know, by like the, the public at large. Um, do we want to do one episode per movie, or do we want to see if we can <laughs> jam pack them together into one? into one episode i i think we could yeah i, I think, think i think i'd rather just get it over with <laughs> for danielle's so, sake really is what I'm bringing <laughs> until i finished the series i had in my mind i know i had checked before and i guess i just misremembered but i had in my mind that at least one of these movies was like two hours long i was like oh god but i looked it up it's uh the first one is 85 minutes the second one's 95 minutes so it's like less than three hours total like that that's doable that's about like runtime like not too much longer than i don't know i think we could do it yeah I, yeah i think maybe we should plan for doing just one more episode for eden and then um i feel like we'll know after watching the first thing like oh man there really is a lot to kind of unpack here um i don't know for sure yeah. if there is one way or the other but yeah i have a feeling if anything there might not be a lot to unpack and it'd be a good idea to watch both so yeah i guess if you're listening plan on uh tuning in next time for both movies and then maybe we'll we'll post something if that changes or we'll post something when we know for sure if we're doing yeah. two or one yeah. but plan on two that makes sense to me. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, well, then we'll just get into it. Let me pull up the episode six description. Uh, episode six is fittingly called Eden of the East. That's the show name. <gasps> Yay. Hey. 
Um, Which, to be fair, that's normally reserved for, like, the last episode of a series, I feel. Like, a lot of the time you'll see, like, I'm trying to think of a good example. I know there's definitely one where, like, the closest thing I can think of off the fly is for Cowboy Bebop, the final episode being titled... Um, Cowboy Bebop, of course. No, 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 it's the blues <laughs> one. It's titled something blues. Uh, yeah, it's the it's the name of the, the ending theme, right? Um, yeah, so, something where they, like, switch up the naming from, like, random names to, like, an actual, like, it fits with either the title or, like, a recurring theme or something that so yeah we're doing for episode six but whatever <laughs> well well let us uh venture into the wikipedia description and find out why this episode is called eden of the east um mm-hmm. saki returns to her friends in eden of the east a recycling club at their university and tells them about akira they soon become interested in but suspicious of him and decide to go visit akira warmly greets them and informs them that he had found out about their club's special commodity they have designed a revolutionary image recognition program but if stalled due to problems with the university, Akira offers to help the club with their goal in exchange for having them help on his duty as a Selasau. Uh, encouraged by Akira, Saki decides to stay in the club. Meanwhile, Hirasawa receives a call from uh, Kusaga. None of these names are important, by the way. Uh, <laughs> had been tasked with finding Osugi. Uh, uh, Kasuga suspects that Osugi may have been kidnapped by the, quote, Johnny Hunter, a serial killer uh, reputed to have almost 20,000 victims according to a story circulating over the internet. So quickly, just to mark off who the names are, because we have, we've, we've seen them before. Um, Kasuga is the guy that Osugi brings on the date after um, Saki is, rides away on the motorcycle. So yeah, I've yes. seen him. That after Saki like, wisely decides to have nothing to do with Osugi. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have multiple notes being like, fuck you, Osugi. Um, Hirasawa is the head of the Eden of the East Club, which again is like a recycling club, but they've developed what is kind of like a blend between like Google Lens and like Facebook. I got a lot of Facebook vibes, like when they're talking about like, oh, we, we, you know, so Austin, you mentioned like there's problems with the university. They mention it being basically like a guy um, was like stalking a girl uh, using Eden of the East. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of Facebook, how that basically Facebook started as like a way for Mark Zuckerberg to be a fucking creep and continued from there and it got even worse and worse and it's like uh, like I made a note <laughs> yeah. of saying like I could see this kind of program you know because this is from 2009 like being a thing like of similar capacity maybe not as much towards like the facial recognition at least publicly available and then I remembered oh wait Facebook Facebook is a thing and Facebook will absolutely do all this stuff for you I mean at least to me it felt like more that the program was more of just oh post a picture and then all these neats online will tell you what you're looking at like it's basically like posting the fucking burger king foot lettuce to 4chan and then they look at the, uh, <laughs> the, the geodata in that picture that's what it yeah seemed like to me especially because okay. like later on like uzugi posts something to it and he gets comments from other people on what the picture he posted is that's what confused me too because they talk about it as it being like an instant like image recognition like there's like a database or something but then yeah osugi like well like so osugi posted a picture of akira and it said like oh there's no data on them so it's almost like it starts with like a database search and then you can post it to like the forums maybe i assume it's like the database entries become solidified after enough like people post their like oh this is what this thing is this is what this person is kind of thing and then that becomes codified with like a proper database entry yeah is the the way i i saw it working Very anyways a program like there. this is 
far beyond the capabilities of a college club to create. A college yes. recycling club, yeah. <laughs> but don't but don't don't worry, we'll soon meet a character with the world computer, so it's fine. You just you just you just got it on lock. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's true. It's like, yeah, if you if you wanted like cuz like, you know, I think there's potential there for like discussing the ethics of a program like this and, you know, like how people could easily like, you know, you literally see this with 4chan and Kiwi Farms and stuff like that, people on mass using like social media and like social engineering to like harm people's lives that could be very easily done through the system they've created but no the, the show isn't interested in that yeah well they they try to like try to start to address that by bringing up the the stalking case with the university or whatever but it's almost as if it's like oh man they got in our way or something like that it's not they don't really reflect on the fact that it's like oh yeah like the system's inherently not like inherently dangerous i don't want to say it like that but like inherently possible to be like there's the possible to abuse exactly great and they're clearly not doing anything to address what happened with the stalking incident it's definitely presented as a like oh this goddamn university not letting these hot young uh entrepreneurs do their thing and make their millions like Mm -hmm. had very big like uh you know like san francisco like upstart tech vibes to like what they're trying to do um because they're 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 very clearly not interested in the like morals and ethics of the the thing they're created they only see it as like a net good and that small incident was just that it's just an incident and the university needs to let them get on with it or whatever out of curiosity i just looked up when facebook was invented it was 2004 so five years before this episode would have aired and i don't know at what state facebook would have been in around this time i definitely remember having a facebook account around time yeah um probably big enough for writers in japan to (laughs) to be like aha Hmm." yeah um so i love the the entrance that uh takizawa has when he's meeting the people like he's riding in on like a madoka uh uh valpurgis knock (laughs) stuffed animal or whatever you know what i'm talking about that was the most charming part of the episode yeah Yeah. that was cute like you know yeah this episode is kind of empty um like overall in these episodes i didn't really mind all the stuff with the the club hanging out with the exception of them feeling bad about usugi possibly dying (laughs) (laughs) but aside from that like i I like like the general vibe of just them hanging out but once again in an 11 episode show yeah step a little (laughs) on the gas yeah yeah they and they had some of their politics revealed a little bit here. They talk. I have a little bit in my notes about. Um, and I don't know why I didn't take many notes for episode six, like seven through eleven. I I, I didn't either. More. But um, they they have a few lines like um, the world will never change if everyone is a neat. Um, they mentioned that the face face recognition, or they say that Eden of the East is a paradise for neats, and I mm-hmm. I assume they mean the company and not just the facial facial recognition part of it. Um, so I I get I feel I get the feeling that they're basically saying like we want to have like a company that will give like equitable or amenable work to Nates who feel otherwise disenfranchised. I think that's what they're going for. That's what I got from this episode, but then later on it. Also, let's talk about how um the neats aside from the the ones in their club are like i'm not sure if the club members consider themselves neats but like all the neats are men and like Mm -hmm. um um yeah i have a note specifically about uh in a later episode when we see the twenty thousand yeets yeets twenty thousand (laughs) neats you did this uh, last time (laughs) yeah uh when, when all the neats come back on like the cargo ship it's like oh they're they're all dudes like i i don't think that i don't know it's such a weird thing like it can't not be unintentional but i don't know if the show like or the you know the writers on the show like really are 
understanding what they're doing there by giving the audience the assumption that uh neats are just all dudes um Mm -hmm. it seems like a weird like like obviously we're kind of on the outside looking in but it seems like a like a weird misread of the whole neat situation in japan at the time if you're just like oh yeah they're all just like dudes and they like have no social skills and yada 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 like yeah yeah i was very i was just to mention like this does also feel like a like i don't really know um like what the demographics like what the the quote-unquote like neat crisis was at the at in 2009 like was it disproportionately male was it not i suspect that it's not and that that is the writers just kind of being like well we don't want to think about sending a bunch of naked women to dubai or something like that or maybe they just didn't care to bring up that which is you know that doesn't absolve them of anything um but yeah, it's because it, yeah, I mean, when you get down to it, the Saki is is a neat, right? Like, I don't know that she calls herself that, but I mean, I believe yeah. she's still in school. So is she? Like, no, she graduated, didn't she? Yeah, no. I, I think the assumption is that she graduated before the beginning of the show. Yeah, that's because they're on the oh, graduation okay. trip. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was graduating soon. I guess the a distinction could be that she is like actively applying for jobs, and I don't know that. I feel like a neat is not someone who's like like going like seeking employment. Um, yeah i don't know know for sure yeah Yeah, i don't know what the criteria is or if like i don't know there's probably some weird baked in gender assumptions with them all the needs being men of like oh well you know you know women can't be needs as much as men because women can just be like caretakers and run the house and shit like that which of course is gross and uh, you know is gross to think about but goes like unexamined by the show like i said i don't i think it's definitely a conscious decision that all the needs are men but like one that goes mostly unexamined by the show Mm-hmm. so it's it's frustrating the same thing with the the line about like you know uh hirasawa being like you know having this like declared a statement of even of the east is a paradise for meats like that never really comes back in a way uh like mm-hmm. the entire eden of the east like the the group and the website uh really just exists to have more characters in the show uh and for them to be like a plot point and like how they figure out certain information like using the eden of the east system and things like that mm-hmm. and with like pants who will meet in a couple episodes time but it's just like i don't know for like an 11 episode show so much of this is like unnecessary to the grander plot like it just doesn't go anywhere so i'm very curious about the movies mm-hmm. um, but anyway there's also like the whole undercurrent of like the oh all needs are like otaku as well and it's <sighs> Uh, yeah yeah my 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 impression early on of the show was that it was gonna be like maybe not kind but like a much more like earnest look at like the people who do like qualify as neats or uh hikikomori and, and people like that and instead it just seems like it trods on all these stereotypes that you see in like other anime where these kinds of characters come up and it's just like i mean not to get too ahead of myself but ultimately like the end of this TV series left me going like, okay, what was the point of any of this? Like, what does this show actually have to say about needs and society and like, you know, the lost generation and all that stuff? Because it doesn't really seem like it says much. It just regurgitates a lot of baked mm-hmm. in assumptions. Yeah, which you know, again, I'm I, I'm I don't know, overly cautious because I also feel like intuitively, like they are assumptions that are made and they are like, over, I mean, they're definitely oversimplifications. But because I just don't have that kind of cultural like lens. Of of like I don't know what the you know the quote unquote neat lifestyle or hikikomori the the different whatever lifestyle is in Japan like who it predominantly affected or um how the public viewed them you know so on and so forth I do know that you know again this is 2009 
And even within the last 11 years, there has been a really big push towards being a more understanding environment. I believe Japan recently appointed the Minister of Happiness or Minister of Sadness. I don't remember which one it is, but it's something like... <laughs> Sounds dystopian as hell. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It's, it, it, you know, I'm sure it, it has a different, like, framing and, like, the, the name of it. But it, more or less, it's a, it's a position dedicated to um, addressing the mental health crisis and, and high suicide rates in japan like yeah like minister of happiness sounds very fucking weird but like i think i'm sure my buddy Karl marx would have some things to say about this (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i i understand like the the desire because for again for if i understand it correctly and i'm I'm speaking from what i remember reading like an article forever ago it is more geared towards like getting mental health programs up and running um yeah so in the same way that we like in our minister in our uh, national institutes of health or the department of health whatever like they might have similar initiatives they're just like a weird name for it but it's like um i mean to that point like i don't i don't think the show is interested in any uh kind of like mental health side to this Mm -hmm. you know i think it's it what seems baked into the show is the assumption that like japanese society is such that it it um is currently structured in a way that leads people to live their lives like this um and the idea of like the cellus house is kind of like how do we like change society so that like people are you know not finding themselves in that situations as readily and easily as they are but you know we'll get to that but i don't <laughs> i don't know if the show has any interesting ideas about how you do get yourself out of that situation yeah which it's, it's kind of funny that um or interesting that they they do kind of toe around that idea where you know they they talk about especially earlier on how someone might end up as a neat because they're disenfranchised with the quote-unquote adult world that they have to they have to basically break their way into uh against hostile kind of people set in their positions you know you have saki who got the the beef bowl dumped on her um because she wasn't exactly what they wanted so they felt okay abusing her kind of thing um so there's that one hand of like yeah adult like or like the the established like pecking order of like the work world is inherently hostile to these newer people coming out of education and like that could cause someone to say fuck it i'm just going to become a neat and and just kind of skate by or or not really interest be ambitious in going higher up the ranks but it doesn't really like condemn that either like they're it's just kind of like stating that fact and not really saying much to it other than yeah maybe we should just like destroy the country and, and rebuild after a post-war uh, rebuild the country a la post-world war ii or something like that it's very weird <laughs> granted that i don't think that idea is floated as a good one i believe that no. the show very much knows that that's a bad idea <laughs> um which i guess we'll, we'll table that for when the yeah sure comes on yeah. i do have some some things to say i think the other the other big thing about this episode like i said i also didn't write down a lot of notes but the other thing that comes up is the uh i don't even remember the character's name uh but the the sexy lady who's cutting off all the uh rapist dicks mm-hmm. as we find out they're you know those kinds of people uh uh it gets mentioned as the johnny hunter this is what we've learned the twenty thousand victims number which i guess is like meant to be like a you know people are conflating the twenty thousand missing yeats with it did again i'm not going to correct myself <laughs> uh with the victims of this like serial killer going around um but I thought it was very laughable for people to think that this this Johnny Hunter could have 20,000 victims when, one, she doesn't seem to be, like, working at a very high, like, performance rate, you know? Like, maybe, mm-hmm. like, a one a day on a good week. Uh, one a day it would take you uh, 54 years to rack up 20,000 oh uh, Johnnies. Yeah. 
I guess so. it's just one of those things where, you know, maybe it's trying to, I don't think it's trying to make a statement, but it does kind of speak to, you know, how things can spiral out of control once it hits the internet. Like, you know, the op- the the game of telephone that people play with, uh, oh, I heard there's a Johnny Hunter. Oh, there's 20,000 people missing. Oh, the Johnny Hunter killed 20,000 people. Oh, okay. Like, it kind of like blends that way. Uh, I think that's a pretty generous read. <laughs> well i think it's like you know this is one of those things where it's like the show kind of brings up and then doesn't really have much to say about it but it's like in conversation with this idea of like you know and i guess with given what the show's about maybe specifically meets but people being on these forum boards and message boards like posting about like this johnny hunter oh did you hear this thing or whatever kind of these like you know urban rumors type things i was definitely thinking a lot about um other side picnic and the way that that employs that same kind of thing but with like copy pasta and you know like horror stories people are telling on the internet and those kinds of urban rumors um but again it just goes like unexamined i just thought it was laughable it was like twenty thousand <laughs> victims like she's she's killed like one guy since she's been in the show <laughs> i think she's good she better speed it up um, my, my note was damn she girl bossed her way into killing twenty thousand men good for her <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i guess if we probably have a lot to say about her as a character but she really has all of her stuff in the next episode so if we're ready to move on uh we can uh switch gears to episode seven which is called uh black swan dance um the Eden of the East members begin to receive pictures from Osugi. Takizawa uses his phone to find him. Juice is able to locate him in the hotel Insomnia, where he was taken after being kidnapped by the Johnny Hunter. The Hunter turns out to be Kuraha Diana Shiratori, Selasau number 11. Juice helps the two counter each other's attempts to stop one another from reaching the hotel, but they both meet in the hotel room. Kuraha explains uh, that she cuts off men's quote-unquote Johnnies and murders them as an act of revenge. Takizawa confronts Kuraha and offers to show her the love she had not received from any man. Oof. Uh, however, he passes out from wounds he gained trying to reach the hotel. Saki follows Takizawa to the hotel to find uh, Kuraha tending to his wounds. Kuraha reveals that her prisoner is not Osugi, but in fact a wanted rapist and muses how uh, she could have possibly mistaken one for the other. Uh, then using an elaborate illusion, she escapes. Which <laughs> that's, using, that's giving elaborate uh, an illusion a lot of weight there <laughs> it's only an illusion because they zoom in on her phone to say uh she paid for an illusion <laughs> otherwise it's just straight up she grows wings and flies out of there yeah. like <laughs> this episode made me a misandrist <laughs> <laughs> which fair yeah this <laughs> very entirely valid this this is this one was shocking <laughs> um okay um all right. Uh, so my so before I feel like once we get to the hotel, we're gonna have a lot to say. So before we get there, um, some things. Uh, one thing I really like is um, whenever uh, a different savior or Selasau, I said savior, but whatever. Um, whenever Selasau talks to Juice or asks for Juice for something, Juice says like, okay, like order accepted. Um, uh, noblesse oblige. Please continue your work at to be a savior or something, some sort of thing like that. Though depending on which Selasau, they'll have like different ways of saying it. Um, so for Akira, um, Sakura so says like, "Oh, the the Johnny Hunter is going back to the hotel." Juice, can you can you stop her? Get get a police officer to pull her over. And Juice is like, uh, "Please continuing, please continue your work to be a savior who misuses government resources yet remains honest." It's like, oh, that's that's kind of cute, I guess. Um, I think they say something to, for the Johnny Hunter. It's like, "Please be a, a most interesting savior." Or something like that um it's like 
I like that, I guess. Like, I like that they they kind of have each AI, because it's revealed that they're AI, uh, to be different, or, like, to kind of accommodate towards the, the Celesal that they serve. That's it. Uh, yeah, I also... <laughs> I also noted this down. The exact line is, uh, may you continue to be a savior who arrogantly makes use of the government's powers and yet remains honest. Mm. Uh, to which, to which I said, I was going to say, uh, nice use of buying state power to cause harm and violence, but sure, let's say it that way. <laughs> remains honest. Hmm. Yeah, remains honest. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what Akira being honest to himself means when Akira's, like, not a character. Um, yeah. And then, uh, the Johnny Hunter, what's her name? Uh, Kuroha. Kuroha. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how I'm tired I am of the word Johnny after this episode? Just say cock. God What's damn it. The, the cock hunter. Um, <laughs> so uh, Kuroha respond like you know checks her like she gets pulled over by a cop, checks her phone, sees that uh, Akira had had planned this by getting her on like a government list or something like that. Um, and as a result, she says, cause a tanker accident, which, okay, fine. That's like a thing you could probably do. The way she does it is just makes like the bolts on a moving tanker just kind of like fall off. You know, when I think of like uh-huh. cause an accident, I think like, oh, hire someone to shoot the tires or even throw like a spike strip out. Like, I mean, we already saw that what's, uh, Akira could get the police to pull someone over. Like, ah, oh, get the police to, throw spike strips but it literally is just like no the tires just fall off and it's like did juice like telepathically like activate a magnet or something like what the hell yeah that along with the fucking wing scene at the end i was like all right the phones can just do whatever the fuck they want at this point yeah show's given up any any opportunity of being grounded like the police thing that's changing some shit in a database that could totally happen Mm -hmm. the truck or no that illusion thing fuck off no (laughs) Like, I think back to um, some of the earlier episodes when, um, uh, like, the, 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 the cop, I forget his name, like, Kondo or something like that, he uses his phone to, like, murder people in the streets, but it's, like, framed as, like, other cops pulling by and, like, shooting the dudes with, like, a sniper or whatever, and it's, like, that's at least a little bit more believable to me that's, like, oh, you could probably, like, buy corrupt cops in that way. Yeah. Like, that's maybe more like a, like, ooh, we live in a society type stuff and not just, like, oh, yeah, these these screws are just gonna fall off this tanker. Or, like, when you, uh, when the, the Prime Minister says mercy, that, to me, I think is, like, a very explicit, like, oh, yeah, money can just buy, like, political favor like that. Well, that's... Like, everybody, everybody has some kind of price, which is an interesting thing to think about, but you can't bribe a truck to unscrew the screws that attach it together it's not yeah. how that works yeah i mean and, and they and they they have the whole episode episode four with the hospital guy he you know he bought all the political favor and all that they could have and they could have done something clever with the or not necessarily clever but at least not dumb uh with the tanker truck just like say that they paid off the the trucker to like cut a turn really hard and like jackknife the truck and flip over that's all you need to do you don't need it to be like oh no my wheels fell off that's very silly um yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, um, so off, off, you know, in our Discord, we were talking about, uh, a little bit about the relation between this and, and Mira and Nikki, which I still don't agree with, but, um, I will say that up until this point, and then after this point, they, they don't do too many, like, unbelievable things where it's like, oh, you can never have this happen kind of thing. Um, like, physically, this is unable to happen. Uh, but yeah, this is like a weirdly supernatural episode. I don't. I don't get why they did it like this. 
Yeah, it comes back to the, the thing I brought up uh, last time, which was like the show really does just operate under the premise of money can buy literally anything. Like I kind of wanted some scene where somebody asked Juice to do something and it's like, oh, well, it's not just as simple as doing that, right? Like mm-hmm. I, you can't just buy that. Like you can't just buy the screws off this truck or whatever. Um, but Yeah, and I especially don't understand why, and again, we're, we're nearing the hotel scene, so I guess we can start strapping in, I guess. Well, but I can say the entire past year, episodes i was rooting for osugi to get his dick cut off because he's a terrible fucking person yeah and he only gets worse <laughs> um but uh i don't know why um and also the show is like incredibly sympathetic towards him which mm-hmm. sucks mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah no one no one is uh i mean i think in episode six maybe it's Casca says something like to, to oh um no oh, shit someone says it to saki like you know he's been trying to court you for years and then like you go off gallivanting with akira or whatever yeah and, like they're trying to make her feel bad about like, yeah o- o- osugi potentially getting kidnapped by the serial killer it's like fuck off yeah osugi is like a fucking rom-com rival at best manipulative manipulative asshole at mm-hmm, worst mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and to be fair, they do, uh, whoever says something like that, they say something else. They, they say like, oh, like, uh, the, the dinner that I was with, uh, Osugi at, like, that was supposed to be your, like, your dinner, Saki, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then one of the, the people in the club, like, slaps him and says, like, st- like, stop, you're saying way too much. You're, like, you're being unnecessarily cruel. Um, but, um, why did, uh, Kuroha need to use the wing escape? The only other person there was Saki. She could have just been like, all right, well. I'm leaving and just walked out the front door, right? Okay, well, one thing, women with black wings are hot. That's just how it is. Yes. <laughs> Two, I think this episode was entirely operating on, oh, let's act, let's have a big twist on, like, let's have a big twist for no goddamn reason. And then it's like, oh, it was just an illusion. I guess. Like, I mean, there's the- Like, is it meant to have Saki, like, question the situation that- Akira's in even more because at this point she doesn't know about the Celis house stuff she doesn't know that like he has a phone that can buy him anything mm-hmm. you know so is this just are we meant to see this from her perspective as like a what the fuck is going on what is but even then there's a better way to do that then and then she grows wings and the windows burst open and she flies away yeah. <laughs> like they, i mean so they uh saki does say later like oh it's a magical phone like she doesn't specifically refer to that because she doesn't necessarily know like the, the the money amounts on it at that point but yeah no like if you're gonna have like her do the wing bit at least as an audience member like to make it less like well that was stupid because she does it when she's still undressed so and they like they show that her back and like there's no like wing apparatus like if they had 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 her like dress herself and then like oh it's like you know they cut to show you like oh she's wearing a harness that you can see from the back or whatever that would be like okay this is at least like feasible like you could show like oh she gets taken out of there by a helicopter or something like okay because they don't like there's like a time cut between when Saki gets there when 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 you last see uh uh Akira pass out um so like they could at least do that so it's like okay it's not supposed to insinuate that she has some sort of um wire rigging system and wing system that doesn't have any like straps on it it's just like it just comes out of your back or whatever like it, it was it was so weird czar ah but you see it was uh quote-unquote super illusion material cost 28 million yen spare no expense <laughs> i thought it would have been really funny because like the show 
did this another time that we'll talk about that bothered me where it was like it was very clear to me what was happening of like you know like okay she paid for you know it's you know it's not real what's happening or whatever it's something she used her cell phone to get or whatever but then they have to cut to the phone to show you super illusion material three varieties rental use fee Mm -hmm. um in case it wasn't clear to you um i thought it would have been really funny if you know they they shoot it the way they did or animate it the way they did where it looks very realistic like it's actually happening and then once she's like out of sight of Saki you see like all the strings and wires and there's like a helicopter in the air holding her up or something ridiculous like that where it becomes very obvious that it's like you know all a spectacle mm-hmm. but just the 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 seriousness which which it's animated and shown and then the only resolution is just a quick cut to the phone where you get to read oh it was just an illusion is like for the thing they're doing not very like interesting or not not very uh, enjoyable of a payoff yeah i guess and that's the, that's the thing with like i guess like when she fall when she goes out of the, the window at first like she falls and then and then goes back up i guess it's supposed to be like a like the wire becoming taut i did uh get a kick out of it i was thinking of at the end of the first uh uh, spongebob movie where after oh. he like saves everyone's like where's spongebob and he goes like i'm up here and he's like dangling that's what i thought of. that's that's exactly the kind of comedy beat that i was like mm-hmm. hoping for it's like that would have really sold the moment um mm-hmm. whereas instead it just takes it so serious yeah speaking of uh they spared no expense i don't know that this show knows what things cost it is very like it's a banana what could it cost eight dollars kind of thing like um he buys the hotel for 1.5 billion yen which i looked that up uh that is 13 million dollars what for a fucking luxury hotel in tokyo yeah (laughs) yeah and they talk later about like um they uh in another episode they're like talking about hacking like the navy or like not the navy sorry like the japanese air defense for whatever it was whatever military installation to get all these tomahawk missiles and shit and it's like you know 100 million yen or, or 15 million yen i think the money might be like an abstraction well sure it's 60 tomahawk missiles michael how much could it cost it's but it's like it's like it's almost like they're pretending that they're using one yen equals one u.s dollar like that would make sense like oh they bought a hotel in the middle of downtown tokyo for 1.5 billion dollars okay i mean i feel like it's really expensive but like okay um or like they hacked the the military and got all these tomahawk missiles for like 150 million dollars it's like okay that sounds like something i could see because like yeah like one point 150 million dollars is like a million or sorry 150 million yen is like a million dollars or something like that it's like it, it, it doesn't translate really well so like the whole time i was like like i guess they're just using i mean they're using the price as convenience essentially like they, they could be switching yeah. up the numbers every time we look at the phone i would believe it still um but i did get a kick out of it where it's like wait a minute <laughs> you bought a hotel in the middle of tokyo that has like a freestanding like a like a waterfall display on the top penthouse floor for in like 15... a very wealthy mm-hmm. district of tokyo too yeah not just any old hotel yeah for 15 um, mil that's it <laughs> well you see it's it's real deep commentary on uh you know how little uh land value has gone up since the the collapse of the bubble economy oh, you just you didn't it just went over your head they did they so. did mention something <laughs> offhandedly when they were talking about buying the mall like they said mm. like oh this is like near where the missile attack was so property value has gone down <laughs> i don't know that it went down by that much but and that also um, like runs counter to the whole themes of like oh it's careless monday because no one cares no one cares but the market does except for the real estate investors who <laughs> the invisible <laughs> hand also, in this episode, can I talk about how unnecessary and just bad the fake out that the 
person isn't Osugi is. Yeah. yeah like, what the fuck was up with that? Yeah. It, it feels like they, they made episode six, and then whoever's writing episode seven was like, wait a minute. What the fuck? It's, it's very big. It's like um J.J. Abrams writing Star Wars 9 after seeing Star Wars 8. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like, they set all this shit up. Oh, no, 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 no. Because, um, yeah, let's talk about the scene. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in the scene. All of it bad. Yeah. Yeah, all of it bad. Well, and so there's at one point where uh i'm just gonna call her um 11 because i keep i keep forgetting her name is kuraha cell cell number 11 um so number 11 like says i'm killing these enemies these enemy of women i was like okay that's weird that she knows that osugi is an enemy of women because he's a sleazebag but i guess maybe she's just like saying men in general are enemy of women and i was like okay cool and then she says to bring in foreign men beautiful foreign yeah and i was like oh <laughs> yeah what the fuck is and it goes unexamined she just says that and akira's like oh how long have you been doing this <laughs> yeah um to which i think his next line is or, or soon thereafter did a man hurt you and i was like fuck this shit i was like okay <laughs> this is yeah i can if someone came up to me and said like or 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 if someone had framed all men or enemy of women like i could understand like the the line of logic that being like oh you you were hurt by someone like by a man or that you've seen like a society ruled by the patriarchy is is cruel and uncaring to the plight of women so saying like did a man hurt you at least like logically is a thread that i could see comes out of that of that statement but that you've never been loved by a johnny and then it gets like it and then she says something like um oh i i took a screen please yeah i i didn't anyway is it possible for a johnny to exist that could satisfy me and then at that point akira's like holding his side because he's bleeding because he he, when the tanker fell he had to like fall he had to like fell off his bike or whatever and and he stands up and they're about to like start making out and again this is someone that they just met they had no real like romantic chemistry i don't know if if akira's just like i'm gonna try to defuse the situation by getting my bang on but he's clearly going in for a big old smooch and then he, he passes out and um i think she says something like oh he's a nice boy that that might happen later but um but like the the romance between akira and saki is not like framed as a maybe thing like they're definitely like supposed to be romantically interested in each other uh so for akira to just be like "Eh, you know maybe i will bang the johnny killer or johnny hunter especially because like all of their lines really are just like oh you want to be a serial killer if you just had some good dick let me give you some good dick because he's like so he's like uh i've got the feeling you were never loved by a johnny also before he says that he's like he asks her like do you not like johnny's and it's like big like oh you'd like men if you just if you just met the right one or whatever it's like fuck off and then like all this lines about like oh i'll be the one to save you as the resident lesbian on the podcast this shit is absolutely fucking disgusting yeah <laughs> like entirely some you know shitty fucking cishet dude trying to convince someone who's entirely un- uninterested in men to fuck him and you know the whole cisness of the whole oh you just need to get dick from a man it's like no i can find plenty of hot women to if i want to get dick like when you know the worst part is to me is the fact that she reciprocates like the fact that she's like you know what maybe i just i maybe i need a good dickin i was thinking she was doing that in order to kill him which you know would make sense for like a femme fatale type villain oh it's clearly not that though she's clearly like especially (laughs) yeah 
the um the thing that makes it all the more weird is that there's that moment we talked about in episode one where they make it very clear like oh akira's got a big dick and so it really is just he's just like oh let me let me let me show you my big johnny out (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, he's fully gonna go for it if it weren't for the fact that he didn't, like, and I don't even remember where he gets, like, hurt, I guess, in the accident uh, with the tanker, but if it weren't for the fact that he's, like, hurt and bleeding out, it seems like they would have just fucked and Saki would have walked in on that. Yeah. Which, I, it seems way out of character. Um, but I don't know what the fuck is, is up with the scene. Fuck whoever <laughs> wrote that. I also want to, like, analyze the whole, like, oh, did a man hurt you thing? It's like, I could see, like, a victim of sexual abuse becoming, like, some, you know, male serial killer in, like, right. some sort of, like, exploitation-y type film. But, like, the framing of it here is definitely not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And out of curiosity, I was like, oh, I wonder uh, who wrote this one. Uh, so for all these episodes, uh, I believe uh, Kenji K- uh, Kamiyama is one of the writers. Um, he's he's always joined by at least one other person. Um, so in this mm-hmm. case, it's Kenji Kamiyama and uh, Naohiro uh, Fukushima. Um, uh, uh, unfortunately, this episode is not the one. So episode 10 is written by Kenji Kamiyama and Shotaro Suga these nuts um so you have to remind me when we get to episode 10 to make that joke again um but uh so we can title the video or t- title the podcast that way um but yeah what the fuck kenji yeah this is bad enemy is bad. bad this this is the jupiter jazz of eden of the east like this is bizarre and especially Just, yeah. for it to play out as oh osugi was never actually there um, if you want, if, if they had had, like, oh yeah, Osugi was there all, like, that would actually was him in the gimp suit, then I could at least, like, that would act to the drama, because Osugi still doesn't trust, um, Akira, but, like, he did save him, but, like, in a really kind of mysterious way, where it's like, how'd you know I was here, kind of thing, so the fact that it's like, oh no, this is actually just a rapist, it's like, what? Why? Yeah, it's, it makes these entire episodes have no... <laughs> It's like nothing going on in the greater plot other than uh eleven and Akira meeting. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess Saki learning a bit more because the whole time the scene is playing out, uh I don't know if it's intentional, but Akira's got his phone on and so Saki's just listening in, like through a phone call on their entire conversation. That's like the the biggest thing you get, which again is like not really needed. She there's plenty of other opportunities in later episodes where she overhears stuff about Akira. Also doesn't make sense because unless like I don't know how it would have happened, because when he, he like kicks the door down, he's talking to Juiz and says like, Oh, I got it open, Juiz, don't worry, something like that. Unless he's like that's a ploy and he's actually talking to saki and it's like a cover or something i don't know um yeah it doesn't make any sense it's 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 this is bizarre i i don't get it like that's bad yeah like i can't pull any politics from it that are like or like viewpoints on society oh no other than other than like really gross (laughs) ones hegemony yeah no like is is the ideal is what i got for this episode yeah no i'm sorry that's what i mean it's like i can't think of anything other than like the conclusions that we've come to like i can't think of this being like like oh when you really think about it it's like x y and z or something like it's like no this is really just the reason you are cutting off people's dongs and that you view them again by making them by making the person a rapist like it's kind of absolving her of like karmic you know if it were like people that she was just like killing men like you could be like oh it's like a complicated morality system of like you know killing men for like injustices upon women it's like okay like by making them all rapists it's like okay well this like that that absolves her that that lessens the karmic load of the whole situation um 
Yeah, she's done nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's also it's also this weird thing of like she's very clearly like uh oh, I'm not doing this to like win the game. I was already doing this before I was a Salisau and having the money just made it like a lot easier to get away with all this. So it's not like, you know, we saw with the doctor um he had his own kind of vision of like, you know, how he could better society with this money and hers. It's like kind of like, yes, I'm going to kill all these awful men and the weird line about bringing in the wonderful foreign men which again would love to have more to say about but it just goes completely unaddressed um uh but it's just it's weird it just doesn't i thought my impression after we met um the cop again i forget his name but after we met the cop yeah it was like oh we're gonna meet all these other celisows and they're all gonna have like different ideas for like how to fix japanese society you know like the doctor had his whole thing about building this like community for older people to work which is also weird but i thought like it was gonna be like everybody was gonna have a distinct vision of like here's how i'm gonna fix society here's how i'm i'm gonna win this game but it the show doesn't do that like at all like spoilers for the next four episodes it really doesn't yeah. like i think we don't meet like half of the Celisaus. i guess we'll meet them in the movies but mm. and yeah. also like if they did that like you could actually you know get what the fuck the show's trying to say because yeah also spoilers i don't know what the fuck the show's trying to say at all <laughs> Yeah, it's literally just like a damn. We live in a society. Yeah, and I'm okay. I'm trying to remember. You know that I would say because you know it's, it would be a spoiler for the movies. I'm trying to remember the conclusion that it comes to. I think I remember like the like the result, but I don't remember like the stance that I could pull from it because again, it was forever ago. Um, but yeah, no, like we meet um two other people, two other Salisau, along with like really meeting uh, Salisau number one and. Like, one of the Celisau is just like, I just want out of this. I don't want to be fucking part of this game anymore. Like, I'm basically just doing whatever number one says. Uh, another person's basically doing whatever number one says as well. Like, um... It, it, it's it's kind of wild like how they're just it, it like just, oh yeah they just don't give a shit like it robs the premise of what makes it interesting of like give 12 people 10 10 billion yen and see how they try to like quote unquote save japanese society but we just like we don't get anywhere close to 12 different visions of like how to fix japanese society or even like the the biggest thing and this this definitely seems to me like it's kind of you know baked in cultural perceptions of um what the show's depicting that is lost on us. But I still think it, it should be more explicit about, like, what is wrong with, like, what needs to be saved about Japanese society, right? Mm -hmm. And the answer I come with that none of these characters come to is it's capitalism. <laughs> like, capitalism is the root of all these problems. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> until you until you recognize that, you're not going to have any meaningful way about uh, addressing uh, society, um, which I'll, I'll double back to that when we get to uh, Salisau number one. But it seems like we're kind of out of things on episode seven um yeah which yeah the, the jupiter jazz of eden of the east <laughs> is a good description for honestly both of those two episodes kind of taken as a whole because uh, they do kind of blend together as like one story arc something i i thought we should uh mention um that i really really mm -hmm. like is the title cards for every episode they're very cute i have a note about i have a note about one of them was like oh i think it's episode 10 where it's like saki is sherlock holmes i was like oh love this title card wish the show had this kind of energy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the I think it was episode eleven. I took a note of where um, the, in the title card it's like the you know the East people in one circle and then Akira by himself. I'm like I kind of like that uh, the the, the how that ties into the themes. I mean it's obviously very heavy handed how it's literally Akira separate from this group, but I like that and the, like the style's very cute. Trying to tell something stylistically and visually. <laughs> 
we applaud <laughs> when it tries. Um, all right. Well, episode eight is called uh, Searching for the Journey We Previously Missed Out On, which is a clunky title. The Funimation title is apparently Search for a Four Lost Journey, which is a little bit better just because it's less clunky. Um, uh, Takizawa makes it. Uh, sorry, Takizawa wakes up to find Saki tending to his wounds and learns that Kuraha has disappeared. Osugi returns to the Eden of the East Club. He tells them that he was invited to a drinking party and had his bag stolen that night, which caused the misunderstanding. He shows his displeasure about them associating with Takizawa and leaves. He sees Takizawa with Saki and tries to find his true identity. Takizawa asks Eden if they could repair his Salasau phone, which belonged to Kondo. Uh, Hirasawa suggests he go visit uh, Pants, a computer prodigy, and sends Saki and Michan uh, with him to keep an eye on him. While Saki and Michan go to the convenience store, Takizawa talks to Pants about Selosau uh, and gets the recluse Pants to let him in. Uh, meanwhile, Osugi checks on Takizawa's picture that he posted, but the respondents identify Takizawa by all sorts of names, concluding that Takizawa must be some kind of criminal. He calls Hir Hirasawa in a panic to warn Eden. Um, so yeah, this is kind of like the last major character we meet, I guess, besides some of the Selosaus in the last two. Um, uh, Pants, who does have a name, I think I tried to refer best to him by uh, his actual name. I Itazu? Uh, yeah, Yutaka Itazu, um, who uh, is kind of like a Hikikomori. Um, I think we learn in the next episode, but he has like, seems like he's shut himself in because like, I again, one of these things the show kind of like drops, but then does nothing with where it seems like he's got some weird hangups about uh, how people treat him in school. I think kind of like a, if I'm reading this correctly, it's kind of like a, oh, he thought he was hot shit and really smart and people, you know, like gave him that kind of attention, but then got to college and people stopped treating him like that and started to feel like a failure. Am I right about that? Because it was very weird to parse that out. Um, yeah, they, they kind of like, um, oh shit, what's her name? Um, Michan, um, says something like, uh, he tried to, he claimed to be able to like predict the world or like build the world computer essentially. Um, and then he actually like against all of our, like, uh, we all like no one believed him, but then he actually did it. And then as a result, he got bored with the world and just like shut himself in. Um, though it also is implied heavily that all that's kind of like a, a cover for him just not wanting to deal with the world because the world didn't really treat him well kind of thing. Like when he loses, so the reason he's called pants is because, uh, he lost his only pair of pants and he took that as a, as an excuse to never see the outside world again. Um, uh, it was also a pun on Itazu. Yeah, which I was going to say, uh, we also got introduced to the last major character at the translator's note for at least this release that I was watching. Because uh, So Itazu, I believe it's the Ita, can be read as like Pan or... or yeah. Yeah. And so Itazu, you read another way, becomes Pantsu, Pants. Um, so... Yeah, like um, like Takizawa realizes it when he sees his name outside of his uh, like bedroom door as he like reads the kanji. He's like, ah, I see why you call him pants uh, now yeah which which is kind of like the, the, the michan's like oh you can't call like don't say that out loud and it's like wait so you're still referring him to a name that like he clearly doesn't appreciate like that's rude um i will say that uh this might read a little weird at first but bear with me like this is a more sympathetic view on like a hikikomori that i'm used to seeing in anime i feel like oftentimes they're shown as like 
incapable of talking with people or like when they when they so when pantsu or itazu like shut himself in he was a a skinny guy a a pretty lean guy and now he is a a much larger guy um due to poor diet and not being not, not leaving his room you know sedentary lifestyle blah 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 um and of course the show can't help but turn that into a punchline when it gets multiple opportunities to do so yeah which i didn't like yeah i didn't it just it's one of those things where it's like it almost feel like so when saki brings the uh the jeze to um to him like you know it's a lot it's way too small because you know she's like oh you gained a lot of weight but it's almost it's it's not like they're like i feel like in other anime that i've seen with this kind of character they don't just say like oh you've gained weight they're like oh wow you got like you fat fuck kind of thing this one almost feels like it's genuinely concerned like oh my god you like are you okay like you've gained a lot of weight like are you okay which is kind of like rude i mean more than kind of it's rude in and of itself to just be like oh my god you gained weight but from what i understand like that is a thing that happens in japan where people will like be like hey like are you taking care of yourself like um i watch a lot of uh, abroad in japan the uh, chris broad was uh he was like a teacher in the jet program and he was saying you know he's a an average guy for like british u.s standards kind of thing but for in japan that's on the larger side and people would come up to him and just kind of like poke him in the tummy and be like hey man like are you taking care of yourself like you need to lose some weight kind of thing in like a really like caring way they're not like poking fun at him and that almost is what it felt like for this but then yeah they also used they also used it as like a punchline of like yeah. when he pulls the I still he think pulls that's... the jersey out that they're like cartoonishly small kind of thing. Yeah, that shit's just gross. Yeah, like it's not funny. Yeah, no, like, absolutely hey, not. The show yeah. goes for that gag. Yeah, I think it's like you know it, our culture can be like this too, but it, it does seem like a a cultural thing of like the definition of like you know what body types are acceptably seen as healthy uh, is very narrow, mm-hmm. um, and so like. The problem I also had is how drawn the camera of the show is to showing how much weight he's gained. And I think you're meant to be like grossed out or upset by that. Like there's all these like zoomed in shots of him typing on the keyboard and there's very close attention paid to like how big his fingers are and things like that. Or like, you know, all these shots of him like sitting down and the way his like underwear rides upon him and stuff like that. It's just like, like using mm. like uh, the perceived grossness of someone's body as like the butt of a joke. Yeah which I did not appreciate. But I will say to your point about him being like a more relatable character than you tend to get with a lot of like Hikikomori type characters. I think he's probably my favorite character in the show. I was genuinely slight spoilers, but there's a moment in the next episode where you think he's died and then it's revealed at the end of the show that no, he lived through it. And I was genuinely very happy that he lived in a way that I wasn't, I didn't really care that any of the other characters made it at the end of the show. Right, because his... yeah, regardless of like the show's frame itself, he's not a bad guy. No, <laughs> no yeah. He, he's it, in, an, in another kind of show, he would be, or a show that cared a little more about like the uh, making a statement about the social aspects of, of the culture that you live in. He would be like the kind of person who was like, kind of forced into this like he like it's someone that you know tried to find his place in the world it couldn't and the world kind of left him behind and didn't like the system kind of failed him or like not not like system is in the government system but like there was no like the society didn't care about him kind of thing um yeah like social system yeah exactly and you know that like the fact that uh like the like when so again i think it's the next episode it's like oh he um uh he gets hit by the car and it's implied that he dies 
in his world computer says like um because his world computer will say it says like in 10 years i will be a neat in 20 years i will be a neat and then it switches to um in tomorrow or today i will be a hero and dead and like you can see him being like he's still like happy even though again it's implied that he's dying he's happy because it's like wow i i i did something that really meant something which again goes to the kind of disenfranchisement that a lot of young people feel where it's like oh I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not amounting to anything. I'm not pushing towards anything or, or contributing in a certain way, um, which again, the society makes you feel like you have to contribute within these kinds of guidelines to be a productive member of society. Like the, the concept of a productive member of society is within these ways. Um, and which obviously not everyone fits into that, but they are still a, a valuable member of society because everyone is. Um, also I wanted to make a quick point, um, about what somebody else said with, a. Uh, uh, you know how the how the how the way his body is framed is supposed to be kind of gross um something that japan has is the um metabo or metabolism laws um if you are between the ages of 40 and 75 you have to get your waist measured every year and fit within a certain range i think it's like you have to be below <sighs> It's like below 34 inches around, whatever that would be in centimeters. It's like 32, 34, 36, something like that. You have to be within a certain thing. Otherwise, they tax you. Um, it's it's literally a, fa- a fat tax is, is how it's kind of framed. Um, so to give you a, a, an idea of how, Jap- not necessarily like the characters of the show or younger people or whatever, but the like systems the in Japan, yeah, the culture yeah. and the systems in place in Japan view different body types uh, in within the, the thing. And they frame it as being like, oh, if you're overweight, you're at higher risk for like stroke and diabetes and all that um however it's also very like strict in how they measure it and like you know someone could might have a larger waist size but like otherwise be strong as an ox kind of thing a a body fitness like physically fit people do not all look the same yeah like the whole oh if you're taller you're just larger yeah for the most part look at uh look at the world's strongest like person competitions and those guys who are the world's strongest people um do not fit under a certain waistband or whatever like those 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 guys are fucking huge so um obviously it's a flawed system i i get the mentality behind it like you do want to curb like illnesses that you know put a strain on both the people and like the the country as a whole like you you want you want to minimize disease but it's uh societally it, it's it's kind of fucked um and how people treat it is kind but anyway mm-hmm. back to pants uh or uh, it is um i do want to point out um just to kind of mark the line real clear between episode eight and nine because we are kind of dipping into episode nine which is fine but uh episode eight we don't even see uh what pants looks like until the end of the episode most of this episode is like talking to him through uh the door to his uh like bedroom apartment like his four to tommy mat uh, uh apartment and uh this is the point in watching these six episode where i was just like fucking get on with it already like uh you know i think i started to care about pants as a character in the next episode so in this episode it's like i do not care about any of these characters i learned nothing in this episode that i didn't know before the only really information that gets dropped in this episode is like the members of eden learning new things about takizawa that we the audience already know mm-hmm. i was just like beyond frustrated of like the show is 11 episodes fucking get on with it already oh yeah um like it feels like this episode uh much like how six and seven kind of could have just been one episode about kuraha 
these two episodes could have just been one episode about pants um, or could have been condensed more um, than than they were. Um, it just, I think this kind of gets into my, one of my more broad complaints about the show, which I just think it is terribly plotted, uh, like on all ends. Like, because like, I understand the, the want to like maybe drag things out a bit, especially if you know um, there are two movies coming. Um, I believe production wise, this was produced believing they would get a second series or maybe just hoping they would get a second series. And then, that got changed into two movies instead, um, which I don't know if that's like a, an upgrade or a downgrade. Probably an upgrade. <laughs> probably, um, yeah, probably. Um, probably like, a, oh, you know, we'll give you more budget and you can do do more with the movies than you would be able to do with the TV show or whatever. Um, but it just like I get the need to want to slow down. But usually you do that because you want to like focus in on characters and build out relationships. And an episode like this does none of that. It just kind of spins its wheels until we get to the end where, you know, Pants open his, opens his door for Akira and then the next episode can happen. And it's like really not much happened of importance in this episode. Um, and so it's just like deeply frustrating. I was like, either get on with the main plot and forget about all these side characters or like give us something to latch onto with these side characters. Like, why should I care about... Um, uh oh god what's his name the eden club the fact that i can't even remember uh, his name hirasawa is, is telling hirasawa why should i care about usugi they give you more than enough reasons to not care about him right or like why should i care about akira um kind of said it earlier he's like not much of a character because you know his whole the whole thing with him being amnesic is that he doesn't remember what he did as a salasau and there's no like consideration given to like who he was as a person which i find really like i get it in a way of just like he's just a vehicle for the plot it probably doesn't really matter you know who he was but because nobody else in the show is much of a character i was just kind of waiting to be like okay what was he like like did he have a job did he have a family like you know what's his deal what are his goals his drives and like he spends he, his, him trying to recover his memories is about okay what was i doing as a celestial like it was i involved with careless monday was i involved with the missing needs uh and not like who was i have in person you'd think he'd have more of like an identity crisis i guess is what i'm getting at but yeah i don't know i think like all this stuff just came forward in this episode where i was just like what the fuck are you doing like come on yeah. rewrite this episode and please it was around at this point where i realized the show was not going to fucking have any sort of conclusion well within, <laughs> within the show yeah um because it, it definitely does within the, the the movies definitely are like a conclusive end which going to that like it, it's it's kind of wild that in the first 11 ep- in the 11 episodes um we see one attempt to uh actually or i guess two if you count the hospital guy uh to actually change quote-unquote save japan like everything else in terms of like the game that is established the game to save japan quote-unquote um the only thing we see to that is the the missile attack at the very end everything else is kind of irrelevant um especially given the ending where he wipes his brain again um spoiler um it is it makes me wonder it's like the next the, the movie the movie wanted to must be fucking breakneck in terms of plans coming up and being foiled or succeeding it has to be earth shatteringly fast to, to conclude oh my guess is it just doesn't fucking conclude no i i do remember it definitely does there's definitely an ending um but i don't remember how it gets there unless i mean who knows maybe the ending is like a hand wave it's like and then the next six months this happened or something i don't remember but i i do remember there's an actual ending ending um it's not like a check out next time 
Um, but yeah. And then we all became wage slaves, and society <laughs> yeah. became better as a result. Thanks to Deki Auto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, um, if y'all will indulge me real quick, I want to read off all of my notes for this episode, for episode eight. Um, okay. One, fuck you, Osagi. Two, that's it. Um, <laughs> uh, Osagi is just such a fucking prick in this. <laughs> yeah. And... Also, I had a note in this. Do we want to go deeper into how Asugi is just a fucking creep? Or well, yeah, sure. well, before we do that, real quick, um, I'll make a quick note that everyone know, like Akira is not uh, secretive about the fact that he doesn't remember like who he was. Like, I guess maybe that even these people don't know necessarily. I think I think Saki tells them all that. Okay, like, before yeah. they meet him. I think the so only thing, on the that. only thing she does not know, other than like the the aspect of like the phone and all that is that Akira's name is like a, a, a pseudonym or an alias he takes. Other than that, he's been pretty forthright with them. So it's kind of yeah, they weird. Yeah, they just don't know the Cellus house stuff yeah. is the big thing. It's weird that like when Osagi's being a fucking chud that they're like, oh, you're right. Like we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't trust Akira because of like all of this stuff. It's like, y'all already knew this, didn't you? Like, or or at least knew that he was wrapped up in some wild shit. Like they should, like Osagi should call and be like, oh, I think Akira's a criminal. It's like, no, 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 no. He, he maybe, but like he's doing some weird shit now or whatever. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about why uh, Osugi is a, a creep in this episode. Danielle, you take it away. <laughs> oh, I was gonna. I just made a note about how in this episode. Are we just discussing eight and nine together at this point? Because it feels like we are. <laughs> yeah, sure. If it's if it's relevant. Yeah. Oh, this is an episode eight. I just can't even keep track of if we're in episode eight or nine. But it's like in one point in this episode they compared neats to zombies, and I'm just like, uh, yikes. That I yikes. I could see what they were going for in this circumstance. Like I guess because they're just basically so they're 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 getting off the boat because uh, the boat just comes back from Dubai. Uh, uh, it, it just does, and I guess like they're they're like, oh, it's a it's a crowd of people that are like disoriented and like they're just like looking for their phones and they're kind of like meandering around or whatever like i guess that's what they were going for i don't know that they were necessarily kind of like all neats zombies but they were referring to the twenty thousand neats specifically um which again is kind of yikes because when you get down to it what they're saying is these emaciated uh overworked shaved head tan people who are all of those things because they were in dubai um like all of them coming back also, being referred to as zombies is kind of weird also in this episode specifically i think it's uh uh hirasawa and kasuga uh in eden talking about like they're talking about the shopping mall and it's like ah shopping mall represents a final paradise for people in a zombie movie um and then one of them i forget if it's hirasawa or kasuga goes like um what would you say if we neat are the zombies that are multiplying endlessly it's like oh oh no <laughs> like i don't i don't like that uh that read um and then yeah it comes back in the later episode when the the neats literally do storm the mall and that's that kind of comparison is rendered explicit mm. um which i guess we'll we'll get to when we get to that episode do you do you want a real um, quick if we're talking about eight and nine do you want to real quick just give the plot summary of episode nine yeah, sure. So we can just package it all up. Uh, episode nine is called "The Man Who Lived Too Little." Uh, Pants manages to recover the complete Selasau translation history or transaction history from Kondo's phone and discovers that the Selasaus were indeed responsible for Careless Monday. Wow, who saw it coming? Whoa. Uh, as well as a series of mysterious evacuations in the targeted areas beforehand that ensured there were no ensured there were no casualties. Takizawa is apparently responsible for the twenty thousand missing neats. Takizawa makes uh, pants 
promise not to tell Saki or Michan about what they discovered, and leaves the phone with him in hopes of fully repairing it. Before they leave, Saki asks Pants about the phone, but he warns her that she is better off not knowing. Meanwhile, Mananabe, Selasau number one, and Yuki, Selasau number ten, follow Takizawa to Kyoto, curious about his intentions. Pantsu discovers that Selasau number ten was responsible for the missile attacks, and it was Takizawa who arranged the evacuations, making him a hero. He then discovers something uh, shocking and rushes outside to warn Takizawa, only to be run down by uh, Mananobe, uh, who destroys Kondo's phone before calling Takizawa. Back in Tokyo, Team Eden meets Osugi at Takizawa's theater, where they discovered the area where the 20,000 neats were held, and the writing on the wall declaring, I will destroy you, Takizawa Akira. Alright, cool. So now we can talk about it all freely and not be like, oh, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, I want to mention how just out of fucking nowhere the whole world's computer thing is. <laughs> further, like, ungrounding the show. It's like, the world computer thing could be a setup for an entire fucking series, and it's just like a side note here. And it is kind of funny how uh, it's it's like shown to be wrong because it's like I mean maybe it's right I don't know it's like oh in ten years I'll be a neat in twenty years I'll be a neat today I'm I'm a hero and also dead it's like well that's not true uh, so I guess the the world computer's wrong um, except also not uh, yeah it's very yeah I don't know what the fuck why they <laughs> felt the need to cl- throw that in there um, and also it's it's very capable of predicting which baseball team is gonna uh, gonna win uh, the big tournament that year or whatever the fuck oh yeah like he has like takizawa proved to him that what he's saying is true so he uses juice to like uh says like to juice like make this one team like win uh big this year and then like on the news it's like suddenly all the best players in the league are being transferred to this one team mm-hmm. uh and, and he's like well it didn't prove anything and then the world computer calculates their chance of winning is like 99.98 percent or whatever yeah um, like it's that i could see like that is a calculation that i'm sure someone could run being like oh this team has has all of these like all stars therefore based on their performance there's like an x percentage of it them winning who knows if that's right like or whatever it's probably like wrong um but at least that's like a a value that i could see being calculated i mean that's something that you i mean we we do calculations like that all the time like uh if you bet on sports which you shouldn't but like you, you can um like odds like you know oh such and such team is you can bet four to one or whatever or like those are your odds like that's a calculation you can do or like horse racing whatever um anything that you gamble on odds like those, those are calculations you actually make um but yeah the fact that it's like also like a future predictor um i almost read like the in 10 years i'll be a neat thing as like something that he like maybe designed it being like it's kind of like self like a self-loathing or something like that but it's not really framed that way like you know if if in another thing i saw someone like oh i wrote this computer program that'll predict my future and it always reads out well i'm gonna be a neat implying that a neat's a bad thing they're like oh i could see that being like oh the character doesn't think highly of themselves or whatever um it doesn't really go examined <laughs> go figure in this show some i don't know how intentional this is but some uh, added context i have now doing some wikipedia scrolling uh before we recorded uh is um the idea of like the the lost decade being like the the generation from like 1991 to 2001 did not realize this uh has just like continually been like extended depending on like who you talk to about mm. it where it's like oh actually it's like the lost 20 years going from 1991 to 2000 and um uh 
2010 or 2011 and then now it's like oh the the 30 year uh lost uh years or whatever um so to me that that you know you'll be a, a neat for the next 10 years for the next 20 years for the next 30 years kind of reads like that as like oh it's like you know the lost generation is just like that time frame keeps extending outward yeah um, unfortunately might be a, fortunately now ava's finished so we can all, we can all move Japan on. Can yeah, we can all go back to the eighties. Hideki Anno is Selassau number two, and he used all of his <laughs> ten billion yen to make Evangelion over the last thirty years. And here we are. He fixed there it. Because, as we all know, anime and manga and light novels are what's causing the the neat crisis. I, no, nothing I else will at all. say, I don't think you be on that phone. I don't think they make that case in this show. Like, I think um, Pants has like. Like, in his, like, computer room, he has, like, a bunch of, like, DVDs or whatever. I'm thinking of a show like um, Welcome to the NHK where, like, they explicitly frame it as, like, oh, he's a hikikomori because of anime. Or, like, he uses anime. He, like, buys a shitload of anime merch to, like, cover himself or to, like, shut himself out from the world or whatever. I don't think they really make that case here. It's, like, all the neats that you see are more or less just, like, hanging out. Um, Like, they feel aimless, Um, but, like... No, I definitely think that is still there with all of them like being addicted to the internet and everything that's that's definitely fair like they definitely like when they get out get off of the boat the first thing they want to do is get their phone and get like the internet and like get a laptop to go on the internet that's okay yeah that's fair yeah it's definitely less explicit than welcome to the to the nhk but like it's still definitely there yeah like I said, it's it's because they be on them phones. It's true. <laughs> um, there's a moment in this episode that I I took several screenshots and pasted them into my notes uh, to read off because oh, uh, thought it was very telling about the politics of the show and I did not like it. <laughs> um, it's it's when they're in. Okay, I'll I'll back up and say this first. I really like Pants's secret base where he yeah. like opens up a curtain to reveal the second half of his apartment is like this big server room. Uh, I thought it was very cool aesthetically and one of those things where it's like the show should just be this. Why is the show not just like Ghost in the Shell? <laughs> um, which I'll have some more. I'll have some more to say about that comparison uh, once we get to the end. But um, I'll, I'll nestle that in right now. Um, but the line he says to uh, they're like you know they're looking through the the records. And I think the missile attacks are like coming up in their conversation. And uh, Pants says this. He says something like the Red Scare uh, during the Cold War or 9-11 conspiracy theories that surfaced after the attacks. Those sorts of things emerge when a nation is weak. That's what Japan is nowadays, Um, which is like one, um, like a really gross misreading of... (laughs) the like geopolitical context of the red scare and 9-11 and why like conspiracy theories were birthed out of that yep. uh but also just like a, a really different view on the whole save japan thing than i thought the show had up until that point of like japan being a quote-unquote weak nation has a very different context than like japan is not doing right by these thousands of people that are like unemployed and doing nothing with their lives and like this stagnant economy and things like that um and especially to frame it around like american politics with the red scare and 9-11 was just like what are we even doing anymore yeah <laughs> okay one of those things is like what is the show actually trying to say because i don't think it knows i think it's just like yeah. <laughs> evoking these things without really examining like what they're bringing into the conversation when they bring up things like 9-11 conspiracy theories which and the red scare. which uh ties back to uh episode the last episode we did for this in episode one of the show where it's like this feels like someone who's never been to dc's idea of what dc is like kind of thing um also uh and we'll get more into it into 11 in episode 11 because it's very explicit there but uh 
kind of going with the make Japan stronger. Um, and I'm going to read directly from the Wikipedia summary because it sums it really well. Uh, he wants to become the king of Japan. His reasoning is there are many smart people in Japan, but none of them are willing to bear the responsibility of leadership. So it's up to, up to him to take it. Um, that is a very telling statement in 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 the politics of the show. I don't know how it pans out because also Japan doesn't have a king. Like that's like a thing that like they have the emperor, but like that's not the same thing. Um, so I don't know how it manifests because the show doesn't tell us um, yet. But um, there that is a thing I believe in Japan of the feeling that like the leaders just need to be more authoritarian <laughs> or need to like take responsibility not like take responsibility and like apologize for things but just like take action like no more meetings and again something i mentioned before in shin godzilla with uh, hideki Anno, uh that is that's the plot of of shin godzilla the out the ragtag group of scientists who they have like a whole meeting of like you know we're not going to use like don't care about honorifics don't care about seniority like we're all equal here but we're we're, we're just here going to do the work kind of thing that's a that's a politically charged stance uh, you know, in general, but you know, especially in Japan, where seniority is is a, a, a like deference to seniority is a very big thing. So for uh, Takiza or Akira to be like, I'm gonna take the power because I actually have the balls to act on it. It's like, oh, we're going to the right, aren't we? Huh? <laughs> yeah, nationalism is a disease. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the idea of like, oh, as like Pant says, like Japan being a quote unquote weak nation a lot of people uh <laughs> trying to sow the seeds of fascism will say oh this is a weak nation and needs a strong leader uh to make real change uh it's lit also literally to earn my star wars reference for this episode it's also literally what anakin is saying to padme in that meme that's gotten big recently oh, okay. where he's literally just like yeah. uh oh we just we just need people to make the decisions like no more voting no more democracy we just need someone who knows what's right and is gonna do it and it's like anakin <laughs> please which quick yeah. quick note about that meme and austin you can refresh me on this or, or correct me it's backwards the meme is backwards right yes she goes like she's like oh no these are some red flags and he goes like haha just kidding and then she smiles at him yeah <laughs> like so in the meme Pat- she, he says something she laughs and then he says something and then she stops laughing or, or something like or vice versa but yeah no it's it's very much like a, oh my god anakin i can't believe you say that oh you jokester <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny, <laughs> the movie. Right, so I'm ready to move on to episode 10. Well, real quick, real quick, I have one more thing. Um, uh, so, or two more things, really quick. One is that the, the JSDF thing is brought up again, um, and they do explicitly, I wrote it down, it's 1.5 million yen, which that's $13,000. So you can hack the JSDF uh, Hell for yeah. $13,000. Also, what, I'm going to save up. <laughs> when Pansu gets hit by the car, uh, they show him like rolling over the thing, but like the way he's like flung over it he's like it almost looks like he's like a stiff like log rolling over it which made me think of the um what's the idol show in the opening oh uh, <laughs> uh it's, 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 zombie it's land like, saga yeah. Yeah. i was like god damn got rolled over that hood Pants like an idol about to get isekai yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, just, he was just missing a, a piece of bread in his mouth and a itadaki bas. <laughs> that whole scene was really sad when, like, he's, like, laying in the gutter. Yeah, it, this also gets into the whole, like, using his body as, like, a prop 
uh, which I didn't like of like he's like jammed in there because his body's too big for the the gutter that he's in like again just kind of like grossly unnecessarily. yeah like the framing of it as like comedic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like the scene's very much shot like he's dying but it's like uh, look his clothes don't fit it's like he's bigger than the little yeah he's like squished like, in there water feature yeah. it's like yeah. fuck off yeah. I will say the the moment where he's like he's got that moment of like oh I don't want to leave my house but I've got to like get this information to Takizawa or whatever and he he like gets the courage to like leave i really like that moment for this character mm-hmm. it sucks that all this other stuff like yeah that the, the, the uh, i want to zoom in a little bit more on it real quick the the shot of so he gets the jersey or the uh, sub say jersey uh it's really uh, like a tracksuit he gets the tracksuit from saki and the s- shot of him deciding like okay i'm gonna put this tracksuit on and go outside um he holds it up and it's like comedically like kind of in the way that like the the wings in episode seven were just out of nowhere like aesthetically not with the show the the that shows the tracksuit is like being like the size of like a build-a-bear like yeah uh, like literally would fit uh, in the bear. palm of your hand yes and then like cut to he's put it on and he's running outside and it's just like a normal pair of track pants and i was like like i could maybe understand like a because saki's got the line of like oh well we didn't you know we bought it thinking it would fit you like two years ago or whatever like she's not too gross about it i don't think so the show was like oh he holds it up and like puts it on his body and it's maybe a little bit smaller than his figure like that's one thing but for it to be so like comedically or potent meant to be comedically so much smaller than he is it's just like come on this is not funny like do better i will say like Mm -hmm. saki does definitely like it comes across sweet when saki is like oh hey like sorry like really sorry like i thought this like would fit you I i didn't realize like what like i haven't seen you so i i didn't realize like it was it was not played for last in that moment yeah no i felt really bad for pants like just that that feeling of like oh man he's just like like again in the scene horribly like what would be like a painful death and like these two guys are just like uncaring standing above him is like no man like you just got the courage to leave his house like come on um thank god he he survives yeah i'm ready to move on nice waveform okay uh on to episode 10 which is called uh who killed takizawa akira which has the same title uh through funimation so that's nice uh saki and michan board the train to go home but takizawa doesn't takizawa is confronted by uh mononobe who offers to reveal the truth about the game and himself takizawa then receives a call from saki who reveals that she overheard him when he confronted uh koraha or Kuroha. Um, Takizawa tells Saki to stay on the line and listen to his and Mononobe's conversation. Meanwhile, Eden investigates the theater and receives a large amount of data from Itazu. Takizawa and Mononobe talk about the missing meats, and Mononobe tells him uh, who he believes Mr. Outside is, a man named Ato Saizo, just leave that there, who is the president of the uh, ATO, or Ato company. Uh, Ato Saizo was a political, a great political figure who helped fix Japan, but probably died of terminal cancer, uh, though the game still goes on because of the supporter. Mononobe tells Takizawa that he will become Mr. Outside and take Juis. Takizawa and Mononobe arrive at a research facility managed by the ATO Institute. Meanwhile, Eden uncovers the data and shows the Selasau's, uh, and it shows the Selasau's spending logs. Eden then looks outside to see a ship full of naked people who they think are the missing neats and 
flees. Mononobe, along with Yuki and Suji, Salasa number two, who's here for some reason, plans to launch more missiles and tells Takizawa not to get in their way again uh, as they tell him why he erased his memories. Takizawa was in despair after he had been betrayed by the people he attempted to help, and he leaves. Uh, a woman then comes in telling the three Salasaos that there will not be a winner tonight. Mononobe checks his phone to see that Juice has been moved to a hidden location, and Mononobe says that Salasao number 12 is the supporter, or maybe even Mr. Outside. I wish you could see the look on my face. Uh, the <laughs> final scene shows Takizawa sitting on a moving train, and Saki was still uh, feeling very upset on the floor after realizing that she had betrayed Takizawa by hoping something bigger than Careless Monday would happen. So, where to even? So, <laughs> a few real quick in the way that not getting into like the like the themes or anything, but like this, there's a few confusing things the way this is laid out. So it says Takizawa was in despair after he had been betrayed by the people he attempted to help, and that and he leaves. That implies that he was like <laughs> in despair at that moment and then leaves the room. No, and so he like that's his reasoning for wiping his right. Brain. So he he is in despair because so he he enlisted the Neats to um, warn people that the missiles were coming, and then people were like, "Well, wait a minute, how did these people? How did these Neats and like this guy know?" Um, this was going to happen, and there was like more and more spotlight on them, so that's why he sent the 20,000 Neats to Dubai, which feels like a nuclear option, whatever. Um, and then Takizawa yeah. was in despair that the people he wanted to help kind of turned around and like started throwing all this suspicion on him, which, like, to be fair, on it, like, makes sense. And so he, he when he says he leaves, it means he, that's when he leaves the room that they're in. Um, yeah. So I don't know why it's framed that way in the in the description. Um, yeah, it's just really really bad for me. Yeah. And when it says uh, she betrayed Takisawa by hoping something bigger than Careless Monday would happen, it's a little confusingly worded. What they mean is she hoped that there would be a bigger response to Careless Monday, or that like Careless Monday would have caused more change. When obviously that's something that Takisawa's opposed. Like he doesn't want to re. So essentially, this is now moving into the the plot. I guess uh, Mononobe Salasa number one along with yuki which is 10 and um suji which is number two they want to bring japan basically to its knees in a way that it was post-world war ii to try to get a similar like spark of rebuilding the nation that happened after world war ii so this is where like all, all the weird shit with like them bringing up 9-11 a lot i don't think they bring up the atomic bombs or anything like that but it's like they believe that the only way that a nation can re build themselves or pull themselves out from their bootstraps is if it's brought to the brink of disaster i'm also like super surprised the show keeps up bringing um 9-11 versus the sarin gas attacks which would make a lot more sense Did that to kill me. a lot of people uh no it had a lot of injuries okay. but you know it's something that actually happened in japan sure sure <laughs> Because I know another show, is most likely going to be my pick, Ooh. deals a lot with the sarin gas attacks and the effects on the public psyche of mm. Japan. Of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the exact, because um, they have like the, the Sarasau logs, the exact like command that Juice has is attack Japan with missiles to take us back to post-World War II era. Yeah. That's what the subtitles say. Which um, the show which, does yeah. know is deeply fucked. <laughs> Yeah. No, but it there's no like interrogation of like like where does that get them, right? If they succeed in that, like I think to me you just repeat history in a way, right? Like clearly Japan didn't get rebuilt in a way that prevented what uh what has you know like become of like society and the economy in the 90s and the early 2000s, right? So like 
you know, and it also like, you know, uh, I guess like the big ringleader here is Salasau number one. Like, what is his plan after Japan is brought back to a quote unquote post World War II era? Like, what is his plan to like seize power? What does he plan to do with that power? I guess. Like, how like how does that save Japan other than like the obvious of like, oh, well, the only way to rebuild is to like bring it back down. But like, OK, sure. But what do you do once you've brought it back down? Like once you've launched all these missiles and killed all these people, what does that look like? Other than just, I guess, like with like the kind of what we were talking about before of like, you know, the weak nation and all that, like other than just like straight up fascism. Like is is that what Mononobe is after? I guess uh, it, it's like he wants. So he says he wants to take over Jewies, which I guess the implication there is that he would get the money in involved there um because i the implication that i got from this i don't know if it's textual is that mononobe has not spent much 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 money um i think they even say like oh i don't really see you having any logs kind of thing the implication i'm getting is that he gets sell cell 10 and 2 to kind of do his bidding mm-hmm. so that he can keep his money off the books so i think his goal is to bring japan to its knees take Jewies, use Jewies to rebuild the nation in his image yeah it's fascism it's, he, he wants to become the fascist leader um what i guess the more the more charitable read might be because he is like oh i'm gonna become mr outside and mr outside or alto saizo or auto saizo um is like this man who like did not have like a public political career but kind of with his money and influence like kind of was the guiding one of the guiding hands through like reconstruction era japan after uh the war uh so it seems like maybe that's what like that's i think that's maybe a more charitable read on his character is that he just wants to be that person that has the money power and influence that can make those decisions which is still like you know in a way a form of fascism but it doesn't like his ideology like his exact ideology isn't made clear enough that's like okay but what is what is your version and this is my one of my ultimate frustrations with the show is like what is salasau number one's idea of what a quote-unquote saved and prosperous japan looks like is it just like functioning capitalism or is you know as functioning as as the people like you know who profit from capitalism view it as you know like like the the show takes for granted so much of like that japan is a nation that needs to be saved uh and that like but it doesn't like interrogate like why it needs to be saved what needs to be fixed quote unquote like how are these people planning on fixing it um it's just like it's really frustrating and like i expect more from like the guy who gave us standalone complex a show that i think is way more engaged with its own themes about like how society is structured and how people like exist and function in it and how we navigate like the forces of power uh around us and how we're socialized into it uh where it's like this show just has nothing to say (laughs) it's so the only thing i can see anyone making a case for is being like what they think the problem is 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 needs is like youth disenfranchisement but the show hasn't come out and said like that's nothing interesting to say about that other than you should go get a job right you should stop just you should just stop being a neat well they, they 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 point a little towards it with the whole Saki thing at the beginning where they're like oh like you know the adults the, the established adults in the company treat her like shit so like they point towards that but they never really make that in a broader societal view it's a it's a shitty director of a company who did that to her they don't they don't really examine like oh this is like a standard thing or like you know they don't talk about how even if she got the job but she, like that she would be kind of like just another cog in the machine 
they don't really examine beyond that. Um, so yeah, it's almost like they're just like, yeah, just be a, pro- a quote unquote productive member of society. But even that, they don't really examine that as like a problem. Like the 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 neats in the series so far are like the heroes, like you know the the Eden Club, the um, the twenty thousand neats. Like they're the the ones that are like doing good things, I guess. Um, the twenty thousand neats especially because like they're the ones who are like the force that helped evacuate the the missile strikes the eden team i guess they're they're kind of neutral like they're the good guys in that we follow them they don't necessarily like the whole eden of the east uh app isn't necessarily a good thing it's kind of a, a privacy nightmare but but yeah it's, um mr autosaido um yeah so <laughs> i wrote autosaizo outside mr outside screams <laughs> And that's basically how they do it in the show without was, the screaming. And I was so mad because it was like the thing with um, uh, Kuraha, like using like an illusion to pretend like she had wings and stuff like. Like the second they zoomed in on it, and number one is literally like, "Oh, he calls himself Mister Outside because Otto Sizo sounds like outside." It's like you didn't have to tell me. I'm not an <laughs> idiot. Like, like it would have been at least a little bit like funny if they just let it hang there. But instead, we we spend at least ten seconds having a conversation about why his name is outside. It's like I get it. I can yeah, my, my note is is literally uh, it's top secrets. Which if you've seen the movie uh, number twenty three, uh, one of the people said, you know, if I was gonna do this, I wouldn't name my 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 author name in the book wouldn't be top secret because the book's title the book's author's name is top secret the top secret. So it's the same. Yep. Energy, <laughs> out the size. Um, I just think the entire twist with um the whole Akira being betrayed is just bad writing. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> oh, here's the resolution to his, his amnesia and everything. It was er, he was betrayed by everyone, and it's just like why? Well, I, I don't even get the um what they what they mean like yeah he was betrayed in that like people are like hey you seem to know a lot about these missile attacks that were about to happen uh what like that's a reasonable response i would think but i don't know what his response is like his response is to send the twenty thousand needs to dubai which i i get the thought process of like oh it's a little hot to be in the in the nation right now i don't agree with the method at all because it's fucking awful um but why do you wipe his memory how is that going to help him yeah and also so like they're like like number one's like oh you were betrayed by your friends it's like does he see the twenty thousand meets as his friends like like to be betrayed you have to have some kind of emotional investment in the in the people who are quote unquote betraying you to to him they're just like twenty thousand random people yeah um, like was it the Salisau? I'm also thinking about it now yeah I'm also thinking about it now too so he wipes his memory for all those reasons fine whatever why was he in DC at the beginning of the show why did he have a gun <laughs> why was he naked. Why was he taxi driver? <laughs> yeah, why was he taxi driver and Jason Bourne and Kate Lee? I guess why maybe, maybe the reason he's in the U.S. is uh, uh, kind of the same vein of, like, why the Neats are in D.C. It's to, like, escape the country for a bit. That would explain, like, why is the apartment. Doesn't explain why he's naked. Doesn't explain why he's a gun. Yeah. Um, doesn't explain why he had to send people to Dubai and not to uh, America, but <laughs> whatever. Um, and also, like, okay, I thought... Based on that interaction he had with the one guy that came back from Dubai, 
I was like assuming, did he ship them out there to do labor? And was the idea like, oh, to reintegrate these needs into society, we have to force them into like slave labor and then they'll come back and be appreciative of their their uh, salary man jobs that they're going to get. But it wasn't that. It's just I needed to ship them away so that they didn't arise suspicion and they didn't get arrested. But why are they naked? Why does it seem like they were treated as like human cattle? Like it's really fucked up and they don't explain like I thought, you know, you see those shots of the early episode, like the photo of like, you know, him doing the peace sign in front of the the naked uh, neats like hanging out in the mall. And it's like, oh, that seems fucked up. But clearly they're going to like, you know, tell us what really happened and we're going to approve of what he did. It's like, no, I, I still don't approve of the whole human trafficking thing. That's still really fucked up, dude. Yeah, I think the reason the photo was there was I think I think they mentioned like he he was trying to make them not like him or something like that. Like he didn't. Yeah, want, he wanted he, he wanted to them. play yeah, the exactly. villain. Yeah, yes yeah. but i still don't like it's fine if you're gonna play the villain but i don't know why like it seems villainous to be what he actually did which is like <laughs> ship all these needs over and i don't know where they just living like in their own shit for the last year because like, they're all na- they come back they're naked they have nothing to them like i'm just i'm very confused why like that's not a thing that we should like fucking hate this character well and then <laughs> it seems and then there's that up. one character uh that you saw in episode five i think it was who was like oh i found my wife there blah 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 and thanked him how did he get back what happened to yeah. everyone else that didn't make any sense um yeah why is this guy like oh thank you akira you, you led me to my job and my beautiful wife and why are these other needs just like naked and like i think it's in the next episode but there's one shot where they're running through the halls of the mall and the camera's focused on their shadows on the wall and they look like literal skeletons i'm like is the implication that they've been like malnourished for the last year and barely alive like this is incredibly well, fucked and, up like, what, what are you what is happening when, when the eden team are trying to get the um uh get their laptop they they get naked and try to blend in and when they're talking to the people saying like oh hey like you know let me try to use the laptop because it's password protected the reason they find out they're not with them is because they are paler and they have hair like they say like oh yeah. you're awfully pale and you have a full head of hair implying that for the past i guess year they've had their head shaved they've been working outside i mean in construction assumably in in dubai etc um very confused <laughs> don't i don't know what the fuck yeah um it's bad did they like have actually like write down the overall plot before they started writing the episodes? Because it feels like they fucking didn't. Yeah, it feels very like I said. I I think the show is just like a plotting nightmare. <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> like... just I, I it goes beyond like oh they they were making that up as they went along because I feel like if that were the case this would have been cut when they were making the episodes themselves like this would have been like something someone threw in and that's like oh hey a minute it's like this this isn't this isn't like let's say they did episode they made episode five where the guy comes back from Dubai and they had not plotted the rest out and then they get to this point you would think they would just be like okay this is there's no way this resolves nicely let's just drop it or something and instead they just go this a fucking wild direction it almost makes me wonder if there's going to be like another payoff in the movies um but yeah as it stands this it's not even like I mean yes what Akira did is villainous but it's just like within the logic of the show it doesn't make any fucking sense it just it just doesn't make any sense yeah like the excuse for why he had to ship them off and all that stuff is very like thinly veiled um and just kind of like last minute like 
lore drop to us. There's no like build up to that realization. Yeah. And, um, it's it's just very unsatisfying to watch. Unfold. And like why <laughs> all why out. Dubai in specific? Like do like I Dubai is literally the worst place they could have gone. Um, in, not the worst, but like one of the worst in terms of like human rights of like the the people trafficked there. The language is like entirely different. Like if if they had sent them to like China or Korea. It'd be like, okay. Or just like, like, hey, I'm going to put you all up in a very expensive hotel in the middle of nowhere or I, whatever. I, like some kind of like, hey, I have respect for you as a human being with like living rights. Yeah. Like you bought a hotel in this for 1.5 billion yen. You could have done that back then or, you know. Yeah. Put them up at the hotel. <laughs> I, I, uh, another interesting note that they say, um, when they're talking to Mononobe, he has like a, a one-off line saying it'd be better to kill the old people first like we need to downsize the country and first we got to kill the older people who are clinging onto their rights which is it's very strange (laughs) um like they seem to have this weird view of the younger neats who are like squandering their lives because they don't have jobs they're not in training whatever but also the older people who are just clinging onto their rights they need to go too and I guess it kind of goes back to the, oh, like, just give Neats jobs, that's all they need to get. Because I guess the implication is that if you kill off, if you have this big disaster and kill off all the old people, the Neats will have to just rise to the cause, which is fuck. Yeah, said it's the, it's the Ava ending, just need to go out there and join the workforce. Um, I think that's all I have to say about episode 10, do we want to move on to... 11 finish it off um, yeah i will just say i literally took no no notes for episode 10 because i was just like all right fuck this show i'm just gonna finish <laughs> this up i'm done uh, done real quick note and i'm sure the audience might have noticed um when austin was reading the plot summary for all of these episodes there are a few sentences long you know on wikipedia they're all a paragraph or so a, a light paragraph at that so episode 10 and maybe to a lesser extent 11 has a lot more to them as if they got to the end of the series and went like oh shit like we have like we've not done anything yet have we huh like we should we should have (laughs) cut out six and seven or something because it just dumps all of this all at once yeah i will say i was not really enjoying what was happening in 10 and 11 but at least it was moving at a pace that the other episodes prior were not yeah so I at least appreciated that. There's also, uh, er, anyway. earlier in the show, there's an implication. So when when Salisal 4, the guy, the hospital guy, I think his name's like Himura, when he gets killed, they show the outline of the supporter who kills him. And it looks very much like Salisal 1. But then in this, Salisal 1 is like, oh no, Salisal 12 is the supporter, or maybe even Mr. Outside. So apparently he's not the supporter? Even though it was heavily implied yeah, I don't that know it if was. we're supposed to have a... I don't remember what the outline looked like, but I don't know if the show's given us enough, like, breadcrumbs to suss that out yet. Yeah. So I guess we gotta wait for the movies. Maybe not. Um, all right, well, episode 11 is called uh, The East Goes On Further. Uh, I think this is another one I like the Funimation title better. The East That Goes On. Uh, Saki and Michan return to the multiplex, which has been invaded by the 20,000 Neats. Saki explains to Eden that Takizawa recruited the Neats to help evacuate citizens before Careless Monday, disguised as government personnel. However, in order to cover his involvement, Takizawa took responsibility for Careless Monday and shipped the Neats to Dubai for three months to keep them out of the public eye. Out of guilt and despair, 
despair for what happened, Takizawa erased his memories. After analyzing the data, Eden discovers that the missiles are targeted targeted all over Japan, including the multiplex. Takizawa then contacts all the Neats and tells them he has arranged a bigger missile attack and instructs them to figure out the best way to intercept the missiles and upload it to Eden. Using the Neats' collective knowledge, Juice organizes a network of F-15 jet fighters and Patriot missile launchers to intercept the missiles. Everybody, including Itazu and the remaining Selesaus, look on as the missiles are destroyed, knowing that this event will be much harder to cover up than Careless Monday. Takizawa instructs Juice to use all of his remaining money to make him king of Japan. His reasoning is that there are many smart people in Japan, but none of them are willing to bear the responsibility of leadership, so it's up to him to take it. In order to become king, Takizawa uses his phone to brainwash himself, and he slips it uh, into Saki's pocket. The episode ends with Saki contemplating what will happen to Japan now that Takizawa is king, uh, and with me wondering what the fuck was the point of ending this. <laughs> yeah, like, ser- like what, the, what the fuck kind of ending is this? Like... <laughs> It's like a complete resetting of the stakes. Uh-huh. Like nothing that happened in the previous 10 episodes matters anymore. Why do we not just start where the movie's going to start apparently? Well, and why this so I can I understand the rationale of why he erases memories before. He was he was so overwhelmed with guilt and despair. Um why this time though? Fucking beats me. <laughs> Um, I didn't even fucking know he erases memory until you read the Wikipedia summary. Well, that I did. That yeah, I was gonna I say that was that was goddamn sense. I, I did catch that. That was also not very clear to me um, until you said that. They, well, they show that at the in the first episode, like like he puts the phone to his ear and like it plays like a sound. It's the same sound at, at the end. Oh, uh, fuck! Just, this uh, episode. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I'll say one thing real quick. Uh, back to my, because you be on that phone comment earlier, there's the scene in this episode where the Neats, like, as soon as they break into the mall, are immediately like, gotta get my phone. And I think Hirasawa's like, they think that retrieving their cell phones is the most important thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you be on that phone. <laughs> be on that phone. Haha, says, we live in a society where <laughs> we're all on phones. I'm the Joker, baby. baby. I, um, the timing also doesn't make any sense now. Um, Careless Monday happened a year ago, yes? Question mark. I think yeah, so. That's what they say, right? Like, because it uh, the the missile that happens in the first few episodes. Yeah, it's like a, a year, year later. later. But here, ship to, ship the needs to Dubai for three months to keep him out of the public eye. I wonder if that's just a mistake in the Wikipedia. Or description. unless unless Careless Monday happened and then uh, nine months later he was like, "Oh shit's getting too hot. Let's let's ship him out to Dubai." Yeah. A weird framing i think they might be the whoever wrote the the episode description might be mixing up the he held them at the mall for three weeks and then shipped them out maybe that's becoming three months because i don't remember them saying three months at all in this yeah episode. also um, there i don't know if this is true or not but there are some parts in this uh wikipedia like summary section that seem like it's it's translated over from like japanese maybe where i wonder if it's like a quirk of, like there especially uh episode the one with pansu the one that i i felt the need to clarify things oh no it's last episode 10 where it's like oh man this is like really clunkily written it feels like there's like stuff going on here that didn't i don't remember happening and i'm like did i miss something or is this translated from something that's like weird but or not like weird but like it's, it's not translating well um because yeah i don't i don't remember the, the three months thing at all yeah um I think the big thing to really just kind of dig in on this episode, because there's not much else that happens, is like the how do they stop the missiles plot, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't understand why they needed the neats to all come together and use their quote unquote collective knowledge to 
just go yeah, what the fuck? oh why don't we shoot the missiles down like no shit and also does it juice just like operate on the like you don't even have to be that specific just tell juice like hey take care of the missiles and she'll just do it like they've already set up that the phone is like magical they've been calling or like the, all the eden members have been calling it his magic phone this episode in the last one like why does he not just say hey juice shoot these missiles down and who cares about the logistics the, of it it's the so only weird. thing i can think of and it is betrayed by one little line but the only thing i can think of is that um you know, obviously this missile attack is going to be they can't cover it up or whatever so he's like trying to take responsibility again so on the one hand it's like oh he's just saying like submit your ideas but it doesn't matter what they submit like he's gonna figure it out anyway with juice but then juice says oh like responses analyzed found the best way of doing this you know executing order now or whatever so apparently <laughs> they they did need the uh the the needs input on it um because if it was just like oh Jewies take care of it and then he was like hey neats I'm doing it again but like you're the only one who can save us kind of thing to try to like take responsibility for it again like I would get that but the fact that Jewies is like aha I found a good way to solving this now it's like what why do you need that this time and it just like confuses what like what the show's trying to say about needs it just confuses that message even more yeah like i pulled out this line uh that i think is somewhat telling about the show and like takizawa's like uh personal politics is uh he says i think this is like after he's given them the order or or whatever he's asked the needs to like hey go on eden of the east and post what you think the best way to stop the missiles is uh he says they have amazing potential if we get them to work together which i think the key part there is the we get them which like did not realize it at the time but leads into his whole oh i'm just going to become king of japan like oh these these needs just need someone to corral them to where they need to go um which i fucking hate um you know, I think it would be a lot more powerful if it wasn't him kind of puppeting the Neats as like this one collective mass and instead him realizing like, oh, I am just one person. I can't come up with a way to solve this. But collectively, all these 20,000 people probably have the answer. I think that reads a lot different than him saying, if we get them to work together, like if we force them all into this and onto this roof and tell them to go on into the east uh it's it feels much more controlling than it would be like a message of like the power of like uh like the masses and uh collective action uh which is definitely not what the sh- please uh kenji uh kamiyama read marks i'm mm-hmm. you well and it's 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 a shame because it is so close to being i wrote down like is this supposed to be neat empowerment because if you had framed it as they have so much potential if they realize like like once they realize they can work together, because, like, I, you know, I think the implication they're making is that, and I don't think this is true necessarily, but being a neat is something that's very isolating. Like, you're not, like, like you're basically just kind of doing your own thing. And it's like, oh, they have a lot of potential if they work together. Like, if once they realize that they can work together, they have a lot of potential. It's like, that would be, like, a, a compelling statement, because it's like, oh, hey, instead of being disenfranchised by these shitty adults who, you know, don't care about the youth really if you just band it together you can do your own thing like you can the power like lies within your within you and your community not within the powers that be in shitty corporation llc that would be a nice message and i think it's one they explore in the movies we'll get into it but like hopefully like because i i think eden becomes like a real company and the neats are involved with it like the 20,000 needs like work for them I could be completely pointing that on my ass I don't remember 
but I think they go in that direction where it's like, oh, the Neats didn't need the society's like correct quote unquote like path. They they want like they can ease or not easily. It's perfectly valid for them to forge their own way that doesn't follow society's script or whatever. Um, but yeah, him saying like, oh, now that I've told them that they can work together, you're welcome. Yeah, the the way I put it in my notes is this feels very much to me like a special boy narrative, which talk a lot about if you watch a lot of mecha anime of, you know, like, oh, like Amuro is the the special boy. He's the only one who could pilot the Gundam and win us the war. It's like, oh, Akira's the special boy. Only he can get the Neats together and get them to reveal the obvious solution to just shoot the missiles down with other missiles, um, <laughs> uh, which is just very frustrating because I think, and this is like me bringing, you know, personal politics into the show, but, you know, fuck it. Like, I think what this show needs to say is that, like, no, you can't fix society with, like, you know, few powerful individuals. Or if you want to, like, if, again, this gets into, like, the show not committing to what are the problems with Japanese society, right? But if if we want to build a better society, it's not going to be built off the backs of, like, few powerful individuals. It's going to be built through collective action um, and like the show ha- in this moment in this episode not the other episodes it fucking whiffs every other episode but in this episode it is so close to getting there that it's very frustrating for it to just be like nope it's another special boy narrative like only only special akira can can solve the problem and become king of japan at the end of the day which again is just like the worst fucking <laughs> cap on this series is like he becomes what <laughs> excuse me i'm trying to remember if and i don't want to say because it's it would be the the ending of the second movie like yeah yeah, like we'll yeah, I, I yeah, I I don't want to say. I think we'll, we'll have to linger with that statement whether or not the the show ends up in that direction or not until until next episode for us. But yeah, no, one thing I like about the um the way they stop the missile attack is um kind of going back to what you said last episode about like at a certain point money only goes so far you know people's personal liberty there's a certain point where you cannot pay someone enough to do something um is that they show the careless monday attack and this one to be that a a computer system is hacked something to that nature where it's a computer thing versus Mm -hmm. um to stop the attack is like piloted missile or piloted jets striking down the missiles and like the patriot missile launchers which is like a like they have to be like aimed and and all that shit like at least they're showing like they're not like aha money can buy your way into bombing tokyo it's like oh Mm -hmm. money can pave the way to stop bombing tokyo or something like that um so at least there was that uh i I still don't know why the memory wipe makes any fucking sense um i do like that yeah i guess we'll have to saki uh uh, osugi runs up to saki and and he's still naked and she just goes looks straight at his dong um shout out to the the first episode where she does the same thing to uh, akira's dong or johnny excuse me i will say uh i think i liked saki more as a character in the early episodes and she just has nothing to do in the show for the episodes we watched yeah. this time it really sucks yeah because akira is just a boring fucking character yeah and i thought for sure the show was going to just like understand that be like oh akira is not like any sort of emotional focal point of the show we're gonna put that all on saki but then like after the episode where she gets the beef bowl dumped on her like there's really no like emotional stakes to her her part in the in the grander plot she's just kind of well yeah and you can see like even in like the wikipedia descriptions uh it stops being like saki does x or whatever it's team eden becomes the more operative player like yeah like she receives a or saki calls takizawa at one point or whatever but even that um 
the conversation where Saki's listening in between Takazawa and uh, Mononobe's conversation, there is uh, Michan right there, too. Like, it's not just Saki reacting to things, it's it's both of them. Uh, so it, it becomes more of like a... And going back to the title card for this episode, I think, there is Takizawa and then Eden Circle. And it's like, no, have Saki be a completely different entity. Saki's like the, the best person. Mm-hmm. But now Pansu's the um, best person. Yes, and this this is the episode where we see him in the hospital. He has arrived. I think he, he calls somebody. I don't remember if it's Akira or someone else, but he calls somebody. That's when we know, like, oh, okay, he's alive, um, which is good. Hopefully he's in the movies. I'd like to see more of him. Um, I feel like we're in, we're in like, broad thoughts territory uh, now. Um, I wanted to say while we were talking about Saki, uh, because I think she's got the best character design. I think, and there's a lot of, like, aesthetic and productive elements of the show that I think betray what it's going for, but the character designs kind of stand out the most of, like, I love, uh, what's-her-face, um, Chika Umino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love mm-hmm. her art. I love the character design work she does on shows like this and Honey and Clover, March Comes in Like a Lion, but it does not fit the mood and tone of this show. Um, yeah, like, especially with all like the manga esque reaction sh- shots. Yeah, no, it just like, it's like false that works on like a slice of life or a comedy show, not this. Yeah, and like I get what they're going for, like those bits of levity, but they're so few and far between and they don't land most of the time uh that just feels like it just needs a different visual aesthetic uh which is why when the show made me think of like ghost in the shell and serial experiments lane with the like you know computer server room that uh itazu has his secret base was like why does the show just not have a much more like dingy aesthetic you know Mm -hmm. for a show about like you know corruption and you know people you know in the shadows influencing society and stuff like that it feels like it needs a much more like seedy aesthetic and we kind of get there uh thinking back to the episodes with Kondo in it like I think a lot about the shot of him kind of uh in like a tunnel talking to those mobsters that he owes money to and when he uses Juice to like um assassinate them like on the spot like that is kind of the tone i think the show visual tone that the show needs more throughout but uh, the rest of the show just isn't that um same thing with the music i really love um oh god what's his face um uh kenji uh Kawai's soundtrack for the show like as just like written music but it very rarely fits the show i feel like especially when it's like at its most like moody when he's doing his most kenji kawaii esque like ghost in the shell type synthy moody mm-hmm. stuff it's just like oh this doesn't fit like, it doesn't fit with the like visual tone of the show uh, when you've got these like like especially like the character designs juxtaposed with the music really stood out to me i was just like i feel like this a lot of the aesthetic considerations of the show were very ill conceived and i wonder if the movies will do anything to address that yeah i mean i think i think this series just needed to commit to something like whether be ideologically or um stylistically like if you're gonna have those moments of celebrity levity put it in more often if you want to have like these like seedy corruption like you know japan society is rotting and we need to fix it show it like don't do this like wavering thing where you talk about uh neats and then casually bring up human trafficking as if it's like a uh he did like a noble thing in the end um it's just it's just not uh settling on a single idea um and you don't need to like spell everything out but you need to say something within 11 episodes if you if you want me to watch two movies on top of it the fact that like 
it's a show about like a society in decline and like forcing a solution to quote unquote fix that society and i've 11 episodes in i'm left not knowing what the exact problems that need to be addressed are and what the show thinks good solutions to that look like um i get that i get that there's two more movies but i feel like i should have like much more of a feel for what the show is aiming to do and aiming to say 11 episodes in instead of just being like well i hope the movies have something to say because the show didn't yeah like every other anime i've seen with movies at least has some sort of resolution in the series itself before it moves on to the yeah. movies this this really it really feels like there was a lot of production problems mm-hmm. in the show i'm not saying that i know there was but it has the feeling of it was where they just don't know what the fuck they're like the overall plan for the show is so they make one episode get feedback on that and be like uh <laughs> uh, uh what do we do next yeah. i mean I think I had said last episode that I feel like a lot of this uh, show is like it, it it's setting up the puzzle and then like towards the end of the series and then the movies like solve the puzzle. Uh, but we've we've set up the puzzle. We've we've set the stakes and then reset the stakes. Um, and I'm I, I assume the next two movies are, are the all right time to like conclude to like find the answers to all the, the pieces that we've set on this chessboard. But I don't know if we're on a chessboard. I think setting it up is a bit yeah, no, generous. Exactly. Like I was thinking, like, oh yeah, they're like drawing a like a maze on a sheet of paper, and it's like what they actually did is just fucking scribbled all over the guy, the piece mm-hmm. of paper, and no, that abso- was the setup. I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> like it's not nothing is nothing is set up like the the stakes are no like i thought they were set up and then they reset it uh you know i uh, it's it's a deeply confusing show um i will say um i meant to mention this i think it's the beginning of this episode they show three movie posters one of them is oh. <laughs> titled witness and it i think it's supposed to be like a rear window styled poster like it's a guy with like a photograph or a camera um then there's little pirates find out treasure grove with three exclamation points which i don't know what that's a reference to and then there's butchery lucy and the sunset kids which that 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 gave Mm -hmm. me a kick but which later in this episode after um uh like the missile gets blown up above the mall and there's like a small you know kind of blast uh that uh like knocks akira off the like carousel he's standing on whatever it doesn't matter (laughs) and so he's like lying on the ground kind of hurt from it and he's like i guess i was the sundance kid i'm like it's so bizarre um yeah i I think there was a couple other that you could make out in the background, other posters. One of them, I think, was just like a like a Bruce Lee uh, knockoff poster that was called like King of Kung Fu mm. or Kung Fu Men or something dumb like that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I had one other thought. Oh, the I guess like my big, um, I guess real broad takeaway from the show is like there wasn't anything for me to latch onto. Like I can't walk away from the show going like, well, at least I really liked like this one character or whatever. I guess like the most I have is I liked uh, pants and I liked the soundtrack, uh, but that's not enough. Like one character that's in like two and a half episodes and uh, a soundtrack that doesn't really fit the aesthetic of the show is not a whole lot to hang on to. So I'm really baffled. I looked at, you know, kind of I searched through tweets and saw a lot of people say like, oh, this anime is like so under underrated like the best anime of the 2000s or the most anime underrated anime of the 2000s i'm like i'm genuinely curious like what do people like about this show like i saw some people saying they really liked akira as a character and i was like i don't what what character um and also i saw the most cursed thing was i saw someone call akira a himbo and i'm like please words mean things that's not what that word means and it's not even like a transgressive use of the word it's just straight up wrong it's just wrong (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be a prescriptivist out here saying, oh, you've got to use, meet these exact criteria to be a himbo, but, like, it's just, oh, this is a word that people describe men they like as. Yeah. Yeah. I The show was a mess, and it wasn't, like, a mess in an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. Like, Brain Goes to Mira and Nikki, like, that show's a goddamn mess, but at least, like, it's a little bit entertaining in how mm-hmm. it's a mess sometimes, because it's just so ridiculous. This, it's, um... It's like a fucking kid on the clay- playground saying, Nuh-uh, I have this uh, thing that beats your thing. Yeah, I could definitely, yeah. Um, I, I will say that even if... Uh, like I'm definitely more neutral on the show. I don't necessarily hate it. I, I don't know that I would have finished it uh, if it weren't for this. But um, even if the movies like pull it off, I'll still be grumpy that I had to watch everything to get to that point. Um, in the same, you know, not to get back into Ava, but in the same way that I like, you know, most of the rebuilds, but I don't necessarily love the fact that I had to watch all the other stuff that I didn't like as much. That's not like, I can see the quality there and all that. It's just, it's just didn't click for me but like this is one where it's like oh man they could really knock it out of the park for the next two movies but like what the fuck happened in the first 11 episodes yeah there's there's a difference between like having to go for like pretty okay stuff to get to like a good ending but this is just it's just confusing it's it's it it leaves the it leaves me with questions and not good questions they're not questions of intrigue they're questions of like bafflement um yeah like wait why yeah there's a difference between intrigue and messiness or obtuseness that like yeah i i i'm surprised because i remember this being a lot more sleek and a lot more good uh granted i probably watched this around the time it was released which 2009 i would have been uh 12 years ago yeah so i would have been 13 14 something like that so if this podcast has taught me anything it's don't trust my uh, childhood perceptions of anime oh yeah i just assume if i haven't watched a thing or read a thing or you know experienced a thing in like the last five years i probably should not um go based off of my previous assumptions about the thing (laughs) has has proved useful i guess optimistically didn't go into cowboy bebop with that expectation which is a shame um okay well i guess like you know save final 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 thoughts for when we watch the movies next time uh, so we'll see how those go. Um, to yeah. to viewers, uh, just listen to the podcast. You don't watch the show. Yes, yeah, so if you're still with us, watch something else. <laughs> if you're still here, watch something else. <laughs> yeah, watch ping pong if you haven't already. I, I'm yeah, trying to think pong. of it's still the recommendation. Uh, I'm trying to think of another show that is of the same vein, not Miranicki, that does it better. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know too many shows that have this like similar kind of premise. Oh my god, the, uh, it feels like very of its time as there, well. There yeah, is honestly. a compilation film. Yes, I'm not I might watch it. I might <laughs> watch you. it just to see if that like solves a lot of the pacing issues. See uh, what like I see guess. what hits the cutting room floor kind of thing. Like like what exactly for exactly because I thought the compilation films are absolutely yeah. the way to yeah, watch it's, that it's, series. It is Maybe two hours, uh, so I, I I'm okay if I'm the only one to who endeavors to watch it because uh, i am very curious so this is what 11 episodes each one's 20 minutes that's 220 minutes or so uh so they don't cut a ton out but they cut a few episodes worth out so i'm interested to see what they cut out so i may i may have my own little special report next time yeah that'd be interesting to to know the differences if not maybe you can probably look up like a hey what did they change um all right well that's eden for now um shall we get into what other anime we've been watching that was hopefully better than this uh, sure <laughs> okay well danny tell us what you've been reading sure thing. um so yeah i uh have not been watching too terribly much um yeah no i keep meaning to 
uh, especially rewatch something like I want to rewatch uh, The Night is Short, Walk On Girl, because um, I fucking love that movie. I also keep meaning to rewatch um, Long Day's Journey is Night, but like I keep putting that off because um, I, I watched, it, watched it reasonably recently. But what I've been reading is, um, so I have four books here. One is um, Oishi, Oishinbo. Oshinbo. Oshinbo? Yep. Is it is that uh, it's stylized on this as O knife S H chopsticks N B O. Um so oh. I was like Oi yeah, Oishinbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Oishinbo. Um means the gourmet. Which is a it's a, a nice little thing. I'm I'm just starting it now. Um I I looked it up because I was like, you know, this seemed like it was from the from the eighties and, and I think I think it is. Um interestingly it is on indefinite hiatus slash canceled permanently. I don't know mm-hmm. because the author uh, in 2014, so reasonably soon after Fukushima, um, or maybe it wasn't 2014, but reasonably after Fukushima, uh, had one of the characters come back from the area and start suffering from like unexplained nosebleeds and like pat like headaches and like faintness and stuff like that, and like really doubled down on Fukushima is like a wasteland that like if you go there you're gonna get sick, which is not true um and there's like a huge outcry against it uh to the point where the publisher was like yeah we're, we're putting it on indefinite hiatus because you know it's i don't know if it's like on the par of like how we would view like a 9-11 truther or so, i don't know how to like i was gonna say it sounds a whole lot like how frank miller like completely started writing very differently after 9-11 yeah it's it's very like scaremongering about and i don't even think it's supposed to be like a um like for a political reason necessarily it's just like he's like genuinely like it's like almost like anti-vaxxer shit where it's like oh you don't know like your radiation's uh. like poisonous like it'll get into your body and blah blah, blah. it's like that's not the kind of radi- radiation issue that fukushima was having you know they're... it sounds like he's a fucking like fossil fuel plant yeah it's it's <laughs> <laughs> but like needs to yeah on, yeah like. um you know and, and fukushima has decontaminated a lot of the area and it's not like oh you walk in there and it's a death trap like they're rebuilding and and to like publish something saying like uh it's still a death trap but they're like the media is not telling you this like that's kind of how it was framed especially in his responses to the outcries like this is just like the media doesn't want to tell you about this it's like dude, fuck off um also i so i've read this before and I wanted to, so I read it on like some manga, illegal manga site. Um, so I wanted to buy it and especially the ending. I wanted to reread the ending because um, I remember it really sticking with me. Uh, Fire Punch, which is written by the same person who did Chainsaw Man. Um, yep. And yeah, the ending's really, it really stuck with me. Um, I, I want to re-read it all the way through. Um, yeah, I will have more to report on that when I actually read all the way through because the ending, the ending's kind of wild. Um, that's all I want to say about that because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to read it i also picked up um volume four of way of the house husband now i have volumes one through four the local shop i go to like just kind of had them at different times so whenever i'd go i typically go like once a month like around my paycheck i'll be like oh i'm gonna go pick up a, a copy of, of some stuff um and this time they had a uh, volume four so i finally have all the five that i've seen i don't know if there's a volume six out yet and then i bought uh volume one of uh akira which i was gonna get the box set it, it was two hundred dollars and it like came with like a a patch for um you know like the the 
like the, the capsule, yeah, capsule thing uh, image that's on the mm. back of their jacket. Like, I think it was like a smaller like, like a shoulder patch or like a sleeve patch um, and like an yeah. art book and I was like well each volume is about $25 there's six volumes so it is cheaper for me to just get the books independently so I just got the um, the first volume I'm gonna read it make sure that like I actually want to finish reading it because I do like the movie um, so just to see if I want to experience it in another form and you know shell out the money for that um, but yeah that's what I've been reading. My understanding is that I've not read the manga, uh, but my understanding is it deviates from where the movie ends up uh, very quickly. So I feel like after volume one, it'll be a whole new experience. Yeah. Um, movie's fucking great though um obviously uh uh, i have um well (laughs) not because really not for any other reason it was a very stupid thing for me to do but i I rewatched end of ava recently uh at like five in the morning (laughs) could not sleep so it's like fuck it we're doing it uh went to bed at like 6 30 after rewatching end of ava i still fucking love that movie there's a lot of problems with it uh i talked about this in our ava episode but i think misato is a much worse character than people give her credit for especially the shit that's an end of Ava. We don't need to go there though. But I'm always just like, um, and I think this is the thing that people who love it do latch onto the most is like, I think End of Ava is just like such a visually rich film. Took a whole lot of screenshots. It's just like a really like, uh, um, I don't know, just like really strong visual stylist uh, working on uh, Ava and then given a movie budget to be able to do the shit they do in that movie. It's it's just like a feast for the eyes. So I had a good time rewatching that. Um, uh, I have um, been mostly keeping up with the seasonal anime that I've been watching. Um, shout outs to Sunny Boy for continuing to just be dog shit. Speaking of a show that <laughs> is just going to fucking go nowhere, but I'm one, I, I need to know just how much of a trash fire it's going to be. It's that kind of thing. But also, unlike... like a more entertaining trash fire than Eden of the East was. Yeah. Uh, well, and unlike Eden, I think the production uh, value on Sunny Boy is, like, fucking unparalleled. Like, it is a gorgeous show, which is why it is such a shame that the story is as bad as it is. Because if they just had a different writer, <laughs> it would be it would be better than it is, uh, in my opinion. Um and also, uh, Kenjiro Suda voices a, a big dog, um, so we love that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta f- finish it for, for Sudo-san. Um, uh, and uh, been keeping up with turn A. I have 10 episodes left. They've finally made it to space. I think this is an incredible thing that uh, it took the show, I think, 36 episodes for them to actually go out into space, which most Gundam shows are like, oh, we're on Earth, uh, yawn. Uh, oh, thank God we're back out into space. So for the show to spend so much time on Earth and for it to like not, for me to never think like, oh God, when are we going to get to space? When is the interesting stuff going to happen? Like the interesting stuff was on Earth. So, but now they're in space and it's very good as well. Uh, the show never misses and I'm very excited to finish it off, even though finishing it means knowing that Gundam's never going to be as good again <laughs> because I don't believe uh, in um Gundam to be better than Turn A has been. Uh, just a great fucking show. Um, and then non, non-anime, but I finished reading uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, which I will retract my previous statement I said on this podcast, which is that that I, I thought at the time it might be my favorite telling of the like one-year war story. Uh, Yasuhiko makes some, some bold fucking decisions uh, in the last couple volumes of that in terms of changing things from the anime, and I don't think any of them are good changes. Um, I tweeted about it if you were I want to know um but not enough to ruin it and the art is still incredible um and the broad strokes are still there there's just some like specificities where he zooms in on some things that i'm like this is i cool that you read this character that way that's not how i read that character kind of thing and um 
yeah, a lot of those changes did not work for me, uh, which was disappointing, but I had a good time. Um, those volumes are really nice, um, but I think maybe I would retract and say the best way to watch or the best way to experience that story of original Gundam is to just watch the original series because it's good. Uh, but that's that's it for me. What have you been uh, watching, Danielle? All right. Well, I watched all of Kashimashi, which um, is inca- incredibly gay and trans. Um, I will say, one, you have to watch the OVA because that like really completes the story and makes the anime watch the match the manga more successfully, re- um, which means the girl I like actually ends up with the main character. Love to see it. Because she's just <laughs> so much better. <laughs> And, but I will, the only really bad thing was there was fucking one recurring joke that sort of just sucked <sighs> about the dad being a perv towards his uh, daughter who recently became a woman. Just sort yeah. of disgusting, mm-hmm. honestly. We don't love One him. bad joke, but the rest of the show's um, very good. It, you know, it's like very melodramatic romance thing, but you know, it's trans and gay and fuck, you don't really see enough of that in it. anime. Yep. I have that Blu-ray. I need to uh, dive in at some point. Yeah, I will also mention the discotheque release was very good in um, how they used pronouns because um, after the main character gets their gender swapped, um, you can tell she's, you know, honestly a lot happier mm-hmm. being a woman. <laughs> um, and plus, the uh, the new subtitles have correct pronouns on everything for the most part. So, like, yeah. way to go. Shoutouts to discotheque. Yeah, they do, they good, do good stuff. Um, then I also finished the other day Monaria Friends, another mm. game anime yeah it's cute gay and short yeah it's the tr- holy trifecta of anime <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen Minari probably the it's best great. thing aside from the fighting game grand blue has created <laughs> yeah i did not watch that knowing it was related at all to grand blue um i just watched it because of the premise also it's like a spinoff of another show that's related to grand blue that i have seen uh i forget the name of it though it's been a while um so i was like oh it's mildly related and then to realize oh yeah grand blue sure whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah cute and short anything else camera is a bit too horny in some of the shots Mm. but whatever yeah like it's not and it's not like framed in one of the ways of like a character looking at the other character in that way which that makes a lot more sense if it's framed that way but no it's just the camera focuses on the girl's asses a little bit too much Mm. for some reason Mm -hmm. but you know it's few and far between so i still think it's worth watching as long as that doesn't bother you too much we want to i do we want to talk about uh non-animated things or I got nothing to shout out that I haven't yeah. already shouted out. I'll shout out the fact that I'm wearing my uh, Just Thing, Just King Things Do It For Steve oh. shirt. So if you want to show the world that you're going to do it for Steve, you can get one of those. Uh, uh, I guess go to raintouch.com. I guess they probably have the information there. Right. But shout out to Just King yeah, Shout out to Just King Things. I do things in spite of King, uh, in spite of Steve, because I, I think Steve's kind of a dick. <laughs> well, really, that's one way of doing it for Steve. Mm. You know, you're not doing it... F- you're not doing him a favor, but you're doing it's it for true. him. He's guiding, guiding me. I'm coming, still. For, I'm coming yeah. for you, Steve. I've been playing a lot of uh, Judgment, which is the uh, Yakuza spinoff right before they released. I think it's right before they released uh, Yakuza 7, um, which I really like. Um, you know, you play as a, a private investigator um, and you're, you're Yakuza adjacent most of the time. It has big uh, Jackie Chan like comedy action vibes in a lot of the ways. Um, one thing that sticks with me is uh, something that Every Frame of Painting had described about what, like one of the things that makes Jackie Chan's movie's so compelling is that he always like fights up from the bottom like he's so like he's just like so earnest and dogged like you can't like it's not because he's stronger or faster or anything like that though he is all those things um it's because he never gives up and that's a lot of the vibes i get with a uh, judgment where 
it's like man he's he's outnumbered but he's he's gonna keep going anyway it's like good job and they never uh shy away from having a joke in in a serious moment which which i really dig um one one of these days i will watch or play through every yakuza game um one of these days including the zombie spinoff game. oh that's how'd you know that's the one i was looking should. forward to the most <laughs> Uh, oh, I just fucking remembered. I started to read uh, Muv Love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost done with Extra. I will um, update y'all once I read through Alternative, because I hear that is the by far the way more interesting yeah. part of the VN. So I'll have updates later. Yeah, cool. We'll look forward to that. All right. Uh, well, uh, normally I would say this is where we have questions, but we don't have questions. But you can send questions to underthekotatsu.anime at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter. Uh, to be fair, a couple of people did <laughs> reply to my tweet asking for questions, but they were questions that we've either already answered or uh, not really uh, jokingly asked. Uh, Shouts to Tyler for asking if it's related to, quote, that old movie East of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one based off the Steinbeck book. Um but yeah, uh, send your questions those ways. If you have anything about East of Eden, any of the other shows we've watched, any anime, or really anything, we'll, we'll answer any question you want to send in. Um, I have been your host, Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Chai underscore squared, uh, watching the last 10 episodes of Turn A Gundam uh, the rest of this weekend. Uh, where can people find you, Danielle? I am at Lesbunny with one N on Twitter. And Danny. You can find me at Cover Me and Sauce on Twitter. All right. Uh, well, that is it for this time. As we said, last next episode, we will try to watch both. Uh, I almost said the wrong one. Uh, Eden of the East movies. Uh, so uh, look Just out for that. Um, pay attention to the Twitter to see if that plan changes. I will try to keep it updated. Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. But personally, I'm I'm looking forward to the <laughs> next show. Or I guess the <laughs> same. Which, oh, fuck. I need to decide. Um, and also probably by the time you're hearing this, we might have already tweeted out what we're going to do for sure. So maybe just look at our Twitter at the time you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, uh, that has been us. Uh, Danielle, why don't you uh, take us out of here? Be crimes, do gay. And if you ever think you're a poor writer, I'm sure you can do better than not introducing any themes in an 11-episode screenplay. <laughs> Mayo y